Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. You know, as if I wasn't busy enough, <laughs> now that I'm taking on this Substack article, I've got three of them out already. I've got three columns in Substack. So it's gregpenglis.substack.com. And this is where, you know, I mean, we are the most unique show in the world. So uh, even though unique is an infinitive and all you grammarians out there saying, Greg, just say unique. You know, the, the truth is we are the most unique. I mean, there are unique shows out there, but we're, we're more unique than they are uh, because we're the only ones with a citizen legislature. And so I'm able to explain the bills in these articles. And if anybody wants to subscribe, uh, that's gregpenglis.substack.com, uh, as well as our other things here. We have writeyourlaws.com, our legislative website, the, sh- the site you're on right now, blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action, uh, and our, our contribution place, givesendgo.com slash action radio. Brianna's here. We've got a busy day. We had a busy day yesterday. We're going to have another busy day today. Things are just busy. <laughs> I love it. There's more guests than we can possibly uh, imagine. I'll tell you about that as, as the show goes on. Let's get to uh, Brianna Cannon right away with Government Inquiry. She started as a guest on Action Radio, courtesy of our Constitution reporter, Amber Kemper. Both Brianna and Amber are graduates of Patriot Academy, a place where young folks get to practice writing and advocating legislation and being legislators in a mock session. Brianna immediately impressed all of us as someone we wanted on the show with her own report. With an insightful mind, asking and taking on complex questions, and a growing skill in sarcasm and satire, plus her study of government, history, the Constitution, and our founding, all of her skills and knowledge combine into something pretty incredible here on Action Radio. And now, the Government Inquiry Report with Brianna Cannon. Wow, that's such a great intro. I hope you don't feel like any pressure to live up to all those expectations. I made you sound really good. <laughs> good morning, Brianna. Good morning. So how's your week? What's going on? What's happening? What, what, is, what is in your inquiring mind this time? Um, well, the first thing, I did look up um, if Oklahoma had any federal land, and uh-huh. we do. Mm, um, on Ballotopedia. Uh-huh. Um, Not a bad source. That we have Not always right, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a website, so you always have to look at it. Yeah, what they say? It said that the federal government owns 1.60% of Oklahoma's total land. Um, They say it's for conservation, development of natural resources, grazing, and recreation. 1.6 million acres? That's Or 1.6% of the state? No, 1.60%. It's like, wait a minute. 703,336 acres. 700,000 acres. 44 million. Huh. Oh, okay. Is it all in one place? I mean, that's not a lot compared to like Nevada, where like like 80 or 90% of the whole state is is federal land, which is crazy. Oh, there's the dog. So I know know it's Brianna's house. Okay, good. Um, So 1.6%. So that's not actually a lot. 
But the question is, where is it? What are they doing with it? I mean, if you have one, if one per six percent of your or seven hundred thousand acres uh, is where there's you know a bunch of oil or minerals or great grazing land or other things that could be used privately or by the state to have the feds on that land. Feds don't usually take the bad land; they just take the good land. <laughs> That's kind of how the federal government goes. I mean, you know, they're not going to take you know the the dust bowl areas or things like that from the depression. They're going to go for the good stuff. Do you know where these areas are? Did you get a chance to look that up? I'm just curious. Um, I mean, they have like a little map on here. It's kind of hard mm-hmm. to read, though. Okay, no, I was just curious. Is it northern, southern, yeah. eastern, western part of the visit? Now, do you have many? Do you have hills or mountains? Or I mean, Oklahoma is pretty flat. I know that, but I'm just saying, is it? Is there any kind of uh, elevated land? And maybe that's that's generally where I think the feds would would uh, you know take their land from your state from. I mean, we have various, like, small hills, but nothing that um, would really interest anybody. Yeah. Hey, listen, I'm in Florida. I know what you mean. <laughs> you go up a slight, hit, a slight hill for a driveway. It's like, oh, boy, a mountain, you know, which is funny because, you know, 30 years in California, I was not too far from 4,000-foot uh, uh, Mount Diablo, and we had 2,500-foot mountains uh, just out inside, you know, the bay, and that's what stopped the fog. And on the other side of those hills, it could be like 65 degrees on the bay side. And then these hills are like, you know, I don't know, five, six miles inland. Uh, and then the other side of those hills is like 110. <laughs> and they're, you know, and they're all that's separating with the hills, but the fog doesn't get over the hills because they're like 2,500, 3,000 feet. It's really pretty amazing. Then you've got 4,000 foot Mount Diablo. Then you've got the whole Central Valley. Then you've got the Sierras up to Mount Whitney, 14,000 feet. And that's all within, I don't know, 100 miles of the coastline. So there's some wild geographical areas that I'm used to, uh, you know, it's, it's, but of course that, gets, that makes your flying more interesting when you're flying a small plane, when you're teaching flying. But here, you just take off, go. <laughs> you know, you know, it's not a lot to worry about running into, which is nice. But uh, okay, so do you know what the land is? I mean, like I said, I don't want to spend too much time on that, but I'm, I'm just curious what it is, what they do with it, and has Oklahoma made any move to take it back, for example? Um, they have percentages of what different, um, like, what different uses are. Uh-huh. Um, it looks like the one with the most use um, looks like Forest Service. Okay. And then the U.S. Department of Defense and then um, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Hmm. So defense is, yeah, those are the biggies. So they usually have wilderness land, forest land, forest, um, and uh or Bureau of Land Management is one of the big ones. That's what the Bundy case is all about. Are you familiar with that case at all? Yeah. When the, when the Bundy, okay, so what do, what do you know about that? I'm just curious. None. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that case. Um, okay. But they do have the U.S. Bureau of Land Management, but they actually have the uh, smallest percentage. They only have 1,975. The second smallest one for that is the U.S. National Park Service. Mm-hmm. That it's actually a lot smaller than the others. Yeah, you probably could. Well, other state so parks. Like, um, I think. Well, I would think so, yeah, no problem. No, I'm just curious. You know, you know, you know me. I'm always going to ask you the question that you haven't looked up. <laughs> this is not a standard around here, so you can uh, you can figure on that. Well, here's what I'm trying to establish because if the state you know, has a bunch of state park land and the federal land is very little. That's a good thing. Uh, ideally, all the land would be taken over by Oklahoma. Do you have a big defense installation there? I can't think of anything offhand, whether uh, 
Air Force Base or because uh, I'm obviously not going to have a Navy base in Oklahoma, um, but um, Air Force. Uh, I know it has training. like Tinker and Thunderbird. And there for what? Is that Air Force? Um, or National Tinker, Guard, maybe? I think so. Huh. Okay. All right. Makes sense. Yeah. Because you know, if you, you don't have the the big, I don't. Do they? Have, do you know if you have nuclear missiles there in Oklahoma? Missile silos? I do not. <laughs> I don't know. Well, every time you're to find yeah, out. See so, so that's, yeah. There's a curiosity for you. I and mean, what if you're living next to a nuke and you didn't know it? I'm just teasing you. <laughs> but they're somewhere. <laughs> you know. I mean, generally they're going to be more in the more remote areas. I think Wyoming and. Uh, Nebraska and, and, and some of the places out, you know, away from the population centers. You know, of course, our enemies all know where they are. They've already mapped them out. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's, you know, the satellite pictures have already determined where they are. So it's not like this is some big secret. I was just curious. So the point, though, is that we did a show uh, a couple, maybe three or four months ago now with Roger Roots, who was one of the attorneys for the Bundys. The Bundys had a grazing uh, claim. The federal government said they couldn't graze on land that they'd grazed on for like 150 years. It, it was totally bogus. But it was one of the first times that American citizens brought guns and said, no, you're not going to kick these people off the land. And they actually uh, made the Bureau of Land Management stand down. Of course, the government came in and then arrested them all and made a bogus trial. And Roger was one of the folks to help defend them. And I think they were all acquitted. I'm not sure the exact results of it, but I know one person, one of the older gentlemen of the family was killed by, a, by an agent of the Bureau of Land Management you know, in, in this, this ridiculous claim that, oh, he was running away or he was a danger. They just made up a reason and killed him. Um, the federal government can do that because they're, they're immune. They have, they have these ridiculous immunities. But the point for Oklahoma and, and what I was thinking of for you, you know, if you're interested, I don't know if you can do post-Patriot um, Academy work, but this would be a great piece of legislation for like the next group of people, or you could tell Rich Green about this, that maybe a project would be to draft a bill that Oklahoma, you know, under Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, uh, takes their land back from the feds and the feds, you know, basically leave, <laughs> you know, pack your bags, you know, leave your signs, leave your guns, leave, uh, you know, leave your resources. It's, it's now state. We're, we're taking back something that was ours, that always ours. What do you think? I like the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's in the Constitution. I'll, I'll give you a, a reference here. Yes. That, uh, you know, I'm, I'm organized. I got stuff on my desk. I have weird things on my desk, you know, computer keyboard. Yeah. You know, I got my phone on my mouse pad. The mouse pad's on the desk. And uh, I got my notebook. I have a couple of guitar picks for good luck. Don't ask me why. And about four copies of the Constitution. <laughs> it's kind of weird, but that's how I do things. So Article 1, Section 8. And these are the, these are the actual delegated powers um, from the states to the Congress of what they can do and what they can spend money on. And we maybe we can talk about the debt ceiling or whatever else you're interested uh, in a bit. So the second last paragraph of Section 8 says, to exercise l exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever over such districts, and this is D.C., District of Columbia, not exceeding 10 miles square. Uh, and in fact, I think it's exactly 10 miles square. They, they did the whole survey, anything. And then it says, uh, as may be by secession of particular states and the acceptance of Congress. Okay, so they created D.C. Then it says, become the seat of the government of the United States. Okay, right. And to exercise like authority, here we go, over all places purchased by the consent of the legislatures of the state in which the same shall be for the erection of forts, magazines, arsenal, dockyards, and other needful buildings. So that's it. So the only land that the feds can hold is D.C., which is kind of like its own country now. I'm going to write an article called The Nation of Government, you know, where government actually becomes a country, and we're like the colonies. <laughs> That's going to be interesting. I'll, I'll, that'll be a Substack article uh, soon here. All right, so except for Congress, all right, but this is it. 
So it says, and it says, but as such exercise like authority over all places purchased by the consent of the legislature of the state. So the feds can't have anything that the state hasn't consented to have purchased. So the question then is the, the federal land that is in Oklahoma, you know, where's, where's the bill? Where's the docket? Where's the, 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 the where's the deed? <laughs> you know, where, where's the evidence that they actually purchased this land uh, from the state of Oklahoma with the consent of one of the, of the, of the state legislature at the time? So there's a question. And then, and then it's, well, let's just hold with that for a sec. Do you, do you know anything about that? I mean, uh, you're probably writing furiously away. Do you know that the, the, this is saying the article or anywhere that you know of, that this 1.6% of Oklahoma was duly purchased by uh, the federal government with the consent of the Oklahoma State Legislature? No, I do not, but I am looking that up now. I had a feeling. You're good at this. We yeah, do a lot of some, research on this yeah. particular hour. Well, it's government inquiry, and so that's why we, you know, I, I, I appreciate you looking all these things up. Uh, you're probably faster at it than I am. But here's the, but it says legislative, and here's the other thing, in which the same shall be for the erection of forts. Okay, now fort would be a military base. I think we can, we can make that general assumption. So even though they didn't have Air Force bases back in 1790, you know, when the, the Constitution was written, 1997 or 87? I think it was 87. Um, but it, we, can, we can say that a fort would be a military base. Magazines. Do you know what magazines are? Um, like which kind of magazine? Yeah, that's exactly the point. So a, magaz- a military magazine, well, there's a magazine that you read, you know, like a news magazine, uh, and the same spelling. This is why English is so confusing to, to foreigners when they come here. There's the magazine of ammunition that you put in a gun, particularly a semi-automatic or a fully automatic firearm, that would be a magazine because it holds ammunition. But what they're talking about here is like um, a building or a warehouse that stores ammunition. Like when the British started uh, you know, up from Boston to Lexington and Concord, what they, they were doing three things. One, they wanted to arrest John Hancock and uh, Sam Adams. That was the first thing. Well, the first two things. And the, and the third thing they wanted to do was they wanted to find where the, the Minutemen were storing their powder and shot, basically gun control. So they wanted to disarm the, the, the colonists so that they wouldn't get, you know, rowdy and actually want independence and things like that. So that would be stored in what was called a magazine. And so that's, that's how they did it. So any kind of military base, any kind of ammunition or gun, firearm or weapons storage would be a magazine. Arsenals, those are the guns. So the magazines, the ammunition, arsenals are the guns, forts are the bases. Uh, and then this is dockyards. <clears throat> well, dockyards make sense because most of the... Uh, uh, the transportation at the time would have been by water, right? Ocean, rivers? Yeah. Okay. So, but it still says dockyards. And then it says, uh, and other needful buildings. So that would be the land under the Department of, you know, whatever. In your, let's say um, you've got it. You probably have an FBI office in Oklahoma City. I'm guessing. Um, and so the land under that, or a federal building. So the land under that, if purchased lawfully, you know, from the state of Oklahoma with the consent of the legislature, that would be a needful building. Okay, so that would come in. So federal buildings, uh, different departments of the, of the federal government in the states uh, where they've gotten the consent of the legislatures, that would be needful buildings. But that's it. I mean, that, literally, that's it. <laughs> so everything else, national parks, Bureau of Land Management, forestry land, conservation land, wilderness land, uh, land set aside for other military stuff, you know, atomic bomb testing areas, anything you can think of that is not what I specifically mentioned, D.C., um, Arsenal Dockyards Magazines, and other needful buildings, those are the only things the federal government can own. Everything else belongs to the state. 
but the states don't know it. It's right out of the Constitution. Is that a mystery? I'm not interpreting either, which we can't do. We just read, right? So I read it right out of the Constitution. So now what do you think, armed with this new knowledge, Brianna Cannon? Um, I think the bill idea sounds really good. Like, in whenever we take it away from federal government, I mean, I think you can still keep, like, you know, a wildlife part, you know, if we mm-hmm. wanted to, but just turn it over to the state's control and power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the use of the land is not the question. The question is the ownership. So in other words, if Oklahoma yeah. might want to expand, might want to have more state parks. You want to take the so so let, let's take a, a like California, which has billions of acres of of federal land. You know, I think Yosemite is a national park. Well, it should be a state park. But Greg, but Greg, the states won't take care of it like the feds. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> you know, so have you been to Yosemite? Have you have you done any national park tours? I mean, the, the Yosemite is absolutely gorgeous. It was drivable from San Francisco, so I went. No, um, I've only been to, like, one nature reserve, but I haven't been to anything else. Well, if you can, when you can, uh, there's a bunch of them I want to see, too. Uh, I've been to the Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon's unbelievable. Uh, You know, there's certain parks, a a couple of them. I haven't been to to Yellowstone yet. I'd like to. Uh, I've been to Glacier Park up in Alaska. I took my daughter on a cruise, and so we went all the way up past the Arctic Circle. Uh, right, right, right in 2008 before everything, you know, collapsed in the economy. So I, I got that trip in and then everything kind of, you know, went sour. But uh, that was an amazing trip. So Glacier National Park up in Glacier Bay. If you've never seen a glacier, glaciers are blue, by the way. Something I didn't know. You know, water's blue. Well, the ice, you get thick enough, it turns blue, too. It's really pretty. Anyway, but the point of all this is hmm. that these belong, yeah, these belong to, this is state land. I mean, Alaska, there's another state that, that's, so much of it is, is federalized, Illegally. So, uh, so this is the bill that, now that I think about it, well, how does this sound? Every one of the students at Patriot Academy, you know, whatever state they come from, they could use the bill that you draft because every state has some federal land that's probably not legal. Hmm. Got you thinking, don't I? That's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Write it down. Bring it up next week. I'll forget. And uh, see what you think. <laughs> see what you come up with. Now, this would actually be a fairly easy bill to draft, don't you think? I mean, how would, how would you go about writing this bill? Make it as simple and straightforward as you can. How would you do it? Um, I would first – I'd have to see if there are, like, are any actual contracts drawn. Um, mm-hmm. But, of course, I'd have to enter any federally owned land that is not – um, decided by the state legislature will go back to the ownership of the states. Mm-hmm. Something in that general idea. Mm-hmm. Would you cite the, the Constitution, the, maybe, that the, the we just talked about in the bill? <laughs> yes. Okay, just, I'm just helping you. And one you. of the so things we'll... with uh-huh. some of the bills is like um, – a repercussion for what would happen if the federal government decided to take land again. Mm, what an excellent question. I'm impressed. Okay, so so now so let's ans- let's have you answer your own question. What if? Give me some what ifs. And what would you like to put in the legislation to, as a contingency against them doing that? See, that's the hard part. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't say this was easy, but you're you're smart, so let's let's kind of wrestle with it for a little bit. So you've got a bill. You want you've got land that you want to have back. You're going to check the contracts to see if it was legal in the first place. So let's let's follow this through. So if it's, if the land is federally controlled but it's not legal, what are you going to put in the bill? I better say something. It's live radio. We don't get cut off. <laughs> I got you. Thinking. Yeah. So so all right. So what do you, so yeah. if if the so and we'll, and we'll get to what happens when the feds object, which they will, by the way. I mean, this could go to the Supreme Court. This could get really fun. This is why I love I love issues like this. this. is such a huge. You have no idea how huge this issue is. I have no idea how huge this issue is, but I know it's a it's a big deal. So first thing is all land that is not uh, agreed to by the Oklahoma State Legislature or where no document showing a voluntary transfer and approval by the state legislature of land to the federal government, such land shall be fill in the blank. Returned to the ownership of the states. Sounds good. I like it. I was thinking more like forfeit <laughs> to the state, but you, but returned is just as good. Oh. No, no, this is your bill. I mean, you know, like I say, I, I'm just here to offer suggestions. Okay. So, so the, all the land, so the land that is, how about the land that is duly contracted to the feds that they actually do own legally? What do you yeah. want to do with that land? Um, do you want the, the feds to keep that land, or do you want to have the state of Oklahoma take it back anyway? So there's no federal land, except maybe what's under buildings, even if it was due um, given to. I think they would have to be reviewed probably to make sure, you know, there's nothing like um, – Okay. No, that's a good that's a good provision. So you can put a you can put a clause in that says all land that was granted to the federal government shall be reviewed for what? Legitimacy, maybe. Okay. Or possible change of ownership. Yeah. Okay. So the Fed could voluntarily give up land that they were allowed to have by the state legislature, by the state of Oklahoma. And that'd be a nice thing to do. Okay. Now, let's talk about what they're not so nice. Okay. So worst case scenario, <laughs> Fed says, we don't care. You know, it says waving a particular finger in our general direction, right? Which they tend to do a lot. And so now the question is, now what do you do when the Fed says, no, we're not giving it back. No, there's no deed. We don't care. You know, it's our land, you know. I'm thinking a lot of words I can't really say well, right now. Like, <laughs> you know, but you know, you know what I'm you talking know, about. Right? You can bring back. You know, you can, like, bring back bills and things, and, like, when different governors come in, they can sort of, like, overturn some of the laws that are put in by uh-huh. previous ones. Would that yep. work in the same aspect for contracts? Like, if there was, like, let's say something made, like, uh, 90 years ago by that uh-huh. legislature, and uh, this legislature now would change that. Like, they don't, like, let's say there was a contract and they didn't want that and they wanted the land back to Oklahoma. Um, would there be, like, would the Oklahoma House or, or any state house be able to actually do the same thing for a contract? That's a really good question. I don't know. That's that's contract law. What I do know about contract law is that you contracts are pretty are pretty sacred. I mean, the the whole point of of contract law is that the government doesn't get involved. 
So in other words, a company contracts with another company or a person contracts with a company or a lawyer contracts you know, for services or anybody contracts. A contract is, what is, is one of the things that really keeps a, a free republic going because the ability to contract, the ability to make agreements, and the ability to hold people to agreements is what keeps society honest and moving forward. Because if people can violate contracts, they can do anything. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, the simplest thing, auto repair. You know, we promise to repair your automobile, and they don't. And the auto company says, yeah, thanks for the money, but we're not fixing it. We don't care. You know, we don't care that your wheels fell off because we forgot to put the bolts back on. That's not our problem. You know, go away. Well, that's a violation of the contract of, of a service, you know. And whether it's implicit, you know, in other words, kind of like, you know, it should be there, or it's actually in writing, um, that's a whole different thing. But contract law is pretty, is pretty strong. Uh, marriages are a contract. That's why the family court is such a weird and strange place. But there's all kinds of contracts. Uh, you sign up for the military, you sign a contract. You know, you will serve the military under these conditions. Um, and, and so all that stuff. So contracts, contracts are enforceable. So the question is, it, takes, it usually takes both parties willingly to change a contract. Or, uh, but it depends on the contract. There might be an escape clause, too. There might, well, there might be a contract. So like an employment contract. Which, which like at will, which says if either party, the employer or the employee, has had enough, you know, the employee can leave or the employer can fire them. That's like an at will contract, as opposed to a union contract with collective bargaining, where the, the, the contract is established. You just, you just can't fire anybody for no reason. You've got to have a reason. You've got to have a grievance procedure. You know, you have a lot more protection under a union contract. That's why I like unions. Uh, I don't trust a lot of companies for, for a lot of reasons. So as far as the state goes, well, what do you think? Wait, yeah, wait, I, I, wait, wait. I got an idea. Go Okay, go for okay. it. Okay, we were talking about, like, you know, the federal government violating it. Okay, so uh-huh. let's say that there's, like, a contract and the federal government actually does own, like, some of the land. And, right. but, like, a state says, okay, no, you, you can't have any more of our land, and, and they take back the rest of it. Uh-huh. And then let's say the federal government, you know, violates it and, and tries to take federal land. Would it be possible for, like, within that, for the state to say, well, the since you violated it, we're taking back the land that you had from a contract. Would that be plausible or would that still be sure. no, that's, like... No, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah, no, breach of contract. So in other words, if one side breaches the contract, the other side has, has enforcement powers. You know, if you, if, you, uh, so if you take out a mortgage and you don't pay for the mortgage, you know, the, the bank can take your house because you breached the contract. You failed to live up to your end of the contract, which was to pay the money. So let's say the federal government owes Oklahoma so much per year for land, and they breached, they breached that contract 100 years ago. Oklahoma can say, you breached that contract. We're taking the land. Yeah, put that in there. Breach of contract clause. Look up breach yeah. of contract. And, and, and that down. Down. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. That's a very good idea. For folks that don't know what we're doing, we're actually writing a bill on the air. <laughs> okay, this is history making. So... Uh, uh, nobody else does this on the planet except us. So uh, for those of you listening, um, you know, so, so this, this makes you, of course, I think you already were a citizen legislator, you know. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, put that in your resume, citizen legislator, you know, author of, of uh, yeah. legislation and, uh, and also action radio reporter. So I hope you're putting that in your resume, too. It's going to come in handy one day. It's kind of funny, how, like how this one. Go ahead. The other one that I'm, the other bill that I, I'm working on because I have to research the contract laws of Oklahoma to see if I need mm-hmm. to void out the amendment or not, because mm. um, the rest of it's finished except for that part. And so it's okay. literally contract law that I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> okay. Oh, and for the um, nuclear missiles, um, mm. it says that we have 12 different missile locations 
around Altus Air Force Base, which is in Oklahoma. And it says that there's 11 in Oklahoma and one in Texas. All right. Okay. 11 missile silos? Okay. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, it, it says... See, uh-huh. Yeah. So that would be that would be a fort, and it would be an arsenal, right? Because it's military. Yeah. So it's it's an art it's a it's a magazine actually because it's storing a weapon, a nuclear missile. Uh, it's a fort because you've got a you've got a, a firing system, you've got officers, you've got a containment. You actually have a, a mil- It's like a mil- it's a military base as a nuclear missile. So that would that would be legitimate under the constitution. The federal government would have that land. And whatever needful buildings are there too, you know, to, to make up the missile silo, uh, the underground parts, the above ground parts, things like that. So that would be fine as far as I can see in the Constitution. That would they would they'd be complying with the Constitution there. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. My concern though is more like um, mineral rights, oil, natural gas, forest land, grazing land, things like that. Where I see the biggest abuses of the federal government in terms of land, it, it, like now, when, when Brandon says that uh, they, they have these federal oil and gas leases, well, they're doing some, some really, they say, well, we're, we're giving the oil companies all these leases and they're not using them. Well, first of all, I, I think most of that land doesn't even have oil under it. That's the first problem. And the second problem is they're denying the infrastructure. They'll, 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 they'll lease the land to the oil companies, but they don't let them build a road on it. They don't let them bring in the drilling equipment. They don't let them actually drill for oil. <laughs> You know, so there's a whole project too. So it's a, it's a huge lie that's going on with the oil. Now, if the state ran it, if if and do you have oil in Oklahoma? I think you do, don't you? I mean, yeah, Texas does. we do. Okay, all right. So is that federal land or is that state land or is it company land? Um, I know that some of it's company. Um, okay. So that's okay. And I know that and some then, of the companies like work like with the state, of course, but. Um, uh-huh. Well, they have I a charter. Really they have a corporate charter. Know. Yeah. They have, yeah. So here's the question, though. I mean, if it you, says you, that the uh, the U.S. Bureau of Land Management has um, like almost 2,000 acres. That's not a lot. So Out maybe it could potentially be. Yeah. What? Well, that's not a lot. 2,000 2, out of 700,000. But the question is, is that 200,000 yeah. acres, does it have uranium <laughs> under it? Does it have oil? Does it have natural gas? Uh, is it like the world's best grazing yeah. land or something? Or is there something special in the soil? I mean, it'd be interested to know what's on that land and why the, why the Bureau of Land Management chose it. See, that's the perfect land that should go back to the state. So grazing land, forest land, wilderness land, park land, national park land, could be state parks, all that kind of stuff. Preservation, wildlife preserves, all that stuff should be state. But if, if, if the feds want their nuclear missile, I, I'm not going to begrudge them that land. <laughs> you know, I don't have a problem with that. I know a bunch of cows that walk by nuclear missiles anyway, now that I think about it. It's an interesting image. You see a video, right? A bunch of cows walking by a missile silo. <laughs> Sorry. Are you researching, writing, <laughs> or just thinking, or just laughing at me? <laughs> I have not seen those calls. Um, but I am looking up if... Then. They actually own mm-hmm. any specifically oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, let's get back to your big question, then we'll see if you have other issues. Uh, although the, I love talking about this stuff. So let, let's do the contingency. So the federal government. Now, what's that? Oh, sorry. What I'm getting now is a little bit different than before. Um, hmm. 
because it says 301,977 acres of federal land released for crude oil and natural gas development in 2014. Hmm. And 26% of the land by the federal uh, was owned by the federal government mm-hmm. in the United States. Oh, that's just in the United States. Wow, that is actually quite a bit in the United States. Um, question is why the federal government has any oil and gas land or forest land or, or uh, national parks might be a little bit different. I got to think about that a little bit. We might want to kind of wrestle with that. Um, I still think this should be state, but I would, I would hope that the states would keep them national parks. So that maybe there's an agreement that the states don't turn it into like condos and, you know, amusement parks. I'm not sure how that would work because there's a difference between national monuments and national parks. Like uh, yeah. the Muir Woods, Muir Woods outside of San Francisco is a national monument, but it's only a mile long. And it's got the most beautiful, it's the only old growth redwoods anywhere close to San Francisco. So, of course, everybody goes. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't maybe have that, but, a Nash, but parklands like Alaska Anwar, you know, and, and uh, the other, the great Alaskan wilderness areas, they're thousands of square miles. I mean, thousands and thousands of square miles big. Well, that should be Alaska land. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. You had something else you were thinking of? I got Pianchi along. I'm going to bring him on in a second. Um, I have a different topic. Okay. Well, think about then, uh, let's see, I'll get Pianchi's question, then we'll get to the other topic. Think about uh, what feds, you know, what contingencies that the federal government uh, won't give up the land willingly. Think about state enforcement. Um, what can the state do? You know, I'll go all, all the way up to the National Guard. You know, and if if there's a challenge there, so think of so so let your mind kind of go wild and say if you were defending Oklahoma from the federal government, our own federal government, who's trying to steal land or keep land that they have no right to under the Constitution, what to what lengths should the state of Oklahoma go to protect their land? That's the question. Let's get Pianchi on the line. Yeah. I know he's going to want to talk about this too. Yeah, then we'll get you on the topic. Pianchi, let's get a little bit on this, and then we'll get to Brianna's other topic. Good morning, <laughs> sir. Well, good morning. There are state parks, by the way, a, a lot of them. Uh, I've known, you know, many state parks. So the uh, the federal government should relinquish that land that they've taken from the states. Mm-hmm. These are leases that should be state leased. Uh, water, uh, oil exploration operations that's going on in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, bordered by each side of the state's boundary, well, those royalties should go back to the state, not the federal government. Uh, similar to the way they have in Alaska, where That's really royalties can be those royalties can be uh, distributed amongst the people of the state. So. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. really important because Oklahoma might be losing money. So, Brianna, you know, uh, Oklahoma citizens could be losing money if the federal government has oil and gas leases and they're keeping the revenue from that or they're keeping you know, whatever portion of it. So you might want to have a, have a clause like that in there, too. Maybe there should be a rebate or a refund <laughs> over money previously yeah. taken. I mean, you know, you know, okay. All right. Uh, let me get your comment response to that, and then let's get to the topic. We only have about 25 minutes left. Yeah, I don't know how well we could really um, get that refund, but mm-hmm. um, well, it's stuff from taking the rest more. of that, yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah, ex post facto laws. Are tough. No, you can't you can't change what was done before. If it was legal before, or at least done before, it's hard to to go back. But you can always go forward. Yeah, what were you going to say? Um, there's actually in like my government class. Um, I finished it now, but there was actually huh. um a little poll with a question, and I thought it might be a little bit interesting. Sure. Um, and it says. In your opinion, who should have control over immigration issues? Should we pass a constitutional amendment giving states control of immigration within their borders, or should it remain as is with the federal government making laws and policies for immigration? That's a great question. It's kind of like the same thing of like um, federal and state influences. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like. Okay, well, let's get your comment first before we before we influence you, and then I go to Pianki, and then I'll, I'll tell you what I think. So, so did you were you able to answer that? Did you did you write an essay on it, or or just answer the question in class, or how what did you do with it? So this was just a poll. So you just took a vote on the two options. Oh. Of either like yes, passing an amendment to give it back to the states, or like no, keep it the same. The federal government says power. Uh huh. And what'd you do? Want to give us your vote? Um, I actually have to think more on this. Overall, I okay. chose the states with the state national guard because I think it'll give them more power. Um, but it was also kind of tricky because you know the constitution does give the power to the federal government. What does do it that. say exactly? What is it? What does it say exactly in the constitution? Because this is critical. I'll explain why in a minute. Pianki, I think mm-hmm. knows where I'm going with this. Back to Article 1, Section 8, right? our, favorite, our favorite place. All right. It says, it doesn't say immigration, it says and it's uniform rules of naturalization. I just have to find them. Our credit, regulate commerce. Here we go. So this is Article 1, Section 8. This is a section you should really go over. It says, the Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes, duties, input. It says, the Congress shall have the power. Then it gives a bunch of things. First one is taxes. Second one is to borrow money. That's the part that I'm going to try and get rid of. Third is to regulate commerce. Uh, and then the fourth one here, to establish a uniform rule of naturalization and uniform laws on the subject of bankruptcy. Okay, let's say to establish a uniform rule of naturalization. So what's the difference between naturalization and immigration? Brianna. Naturalization is like becoming a citizen mm-hmm. or being a citizen. Mm-hmm. And immigration and it, is literally, it, it may include that, but it also includes like, just any person coming over any border to the United States. Do we naturalize people before they come here to the country? Um, yeah, I think we do in like some instances, yeah. Not that I know of. I'll, I'll tell you why. You know, some people like are born on, like John McCain was, was born on a, on a foreign military base, but he's born to American parents. So we're not talking about, uh, that those people aren't naturalized. They're natural born Americans, even because you know, they have American parents even though they're not maybe physically born on U.S. soil. But if you're naturalized, if you're because I'm an immigrant. I came from Canada by way of Australia to the United States. And so I lived here from the time I was 12 until I was 21 before I got my citizenship. And that's when I could do it. And so I uh, went before the judge for you know, the whole bit, uh, allegiance to this country. But I lived here as an immigrant. I don't think you can become a citizen until you've been here as a permanent resident at least five years. At least that's what it was back in, in the 70s when I came here. So I don't think you can become a citizen without being an immigrant first. A, a legal, permanent resident, green-carded immigrant into this country, and then over those five years, you prove that you're worthy of being a citizen. That's the whole point of it, so that you don't go on welfare, you don't commit crimes, or things like that. Because even as a permanent resident, it's permanent, but it's not. 
you can have your, your you know, booted out of the country if you screw up. Uh, same thing as, uh, as a naturalized citizen. My citizenship can be taken a lot more easily. Well, yours can't be, but mine can. If I serve in a foreign government, I serve in a foreign military, I, I renounce my citizenship, denounce my citizenship, I'm not sure the difference. Um, but things like that, it's much easier to, to strip a, an immigrant, a naturalized American of their citizenship. So there is a difference. It's a big difference. Let's get Pianchi on this one. What's, what's your poll? Oh, Brianna, did you tell us what you, what you voted? I don't think you told us yet. Let's get that. Keep it the same or? Yeah. It, um, you, okay. Give it to the states to have power over immigration services. Okay. Where All like right. they would send like National Guard and stuff. So why though? Why the states as opposed to the federal government? Over um, immigration. Part of it, part of it I think is kind of what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, with you know the so popularized border crisis right now, um, mm-hmm. and the states you know taking it into their own hands, you know because the federal government a lot of times isn't going to be there to help or do its job to protect the country, um, because they have like now they have the goals of taking more power and you mm-hmm. know not protecting the country, while states you know states always yeah. or generally want the best for the states and to keep their people protected generally. There's some exception mm-hmm. states. Um, yeah, I lives in California. And so, <laughs> yeah, they, they, yeah. they want, want Marxism. That's a different story. Okay, no, I think you're absolutely right. It's interesting. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you, and I'll tell you why in a little bit, but I want to get Pianchi's view. Pianchi, what do you think? Well, the federal government is supposed to protect the national borders, so you couldn't give that job to states. you got some landlocked states like Illinois, <laughs> but states do have a right, should have a right to check uh, people to see whether or not they're legally within the state by being legally within the country. Brianna? Where'd yeah. You go? No, you're thinking. See, I never know when I'm off the air. Or Am you're I thinking. still here? You're still here, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's that's just uh, it's one of those little confusing things because I don't have I don't have decibel meters yet, even though I've been asking for four years uh, to know when I'm on broadcasting when I'm not. Um, here's how I see it, and and tell me what you well. First of all, did you have a comment on, on Pianchi's comment? Let's do that first. Um, about like checking people and seeing the back if they're not citizens or. Pianchi, want to explain it again? Because you know you're making a good point. No, the federal borders. For instance, if you're in the ocean and you pull up to the shore, well, within the water line so far in, you're in, you're in the federal borders. Then beyond that, you're in the state borders. So you, you have to have uh, – federal government should be responsible for protecting the federal borders of the United States. Now, of course, states have their borders too. And if you've got illegals that's running rapid all throughout the country, I think that the federal government is the uh, agency that needs to go after those people. You can't take people uh, agencies from Illinois and cross over to Missouri to go after illegals if Missouri don't see a need for it. So uh federal government has uh, Customs and Border Protection. Um, there is a use for them. And by the way, Customs and Border Protection is probably one of the few agencies of the federal government that's self-sustaining. Yeah, the other is the Federal Trade Commission because they, they go by the fees that uh, people pay for uh, – I forgot what it is. 
Oh, no, it's a patent office. The patent office is the one, patent and trademarks, because they go off fees that uh, people pay for patents and trademarks. But yeah, the uh, customs, and I served with Customs and Border Protection briefly until they told me I was too old to do anything interesting. I was like 42. <laughs> You're too old. Oh, yeah? Okay, fine. Yeah, you've been discriminated later. left and right, haven't you? My whole life, yeah. Because <laughs> you, know, you heard the stories, you know, affirmative action. It started with affirmative action, and then I was age discriminated against by the federal government. And the thing was, they put me through all this training, and I was good at it. I had a 95% test average. Well, actually, 94.9. If I had 95, I would have gotten an award. Uh, I, I scored a distinguished expert on pistol. You know, I, I, I aced all my stuff, even the physical stuff. You know, and here I was, not in the greatest of shape, but I, I was, uh, we did these five-mile runs. I remember in training at the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, the Fletzy. In, in Brunswick, Georgia, and there were three of us that were over 40, you know, two ex-cops, one from El Paso, one from New York, and me, you know, I wasn't an egg, uh, you know, and uh, we, we do our runs, these five-mile runs in this 100, 110-degree Georgia heat, 100% humidity, it was crazy, uh, and the, the, the younger folks were dying, <laughs> they were just dropping, you know, and uh, we were trucking along, I mean, we weren't the fastest, but we were certainly, I was like in the top third, and I've never done that you know, athletically. So it was pretty amazing. Anyway, point aside, but uh, yeah, customs and border protection, because it used to be that customs collected duty. I mean, their job was, was basically a tax collection of money that uh, was taxed on goods and services and, and things brought into the country. And the, the entire federal government used to be run on duties. And then, uh, then they got the federal income tax and everything got screwed up and the government grew, but the government was a lot smaller. So back to the original question, though, uh, question of, well, of immigration. So naturalization, I believe, should be the province of the federal government. And I'll say the biggest reason is that the federal government represents the United States to the world. And the only place that people around the world can apply for American citizenship is American embassies and consulates. And those embassies and consulates are part of the State Department. They're federal. And so it doesn't make sense to have the states have any part of immigration coming into the country. And also, I agree with Pianchi that the federal border, the border around the continental United States, you know, Alaska and our territories is absolutely the province of the federal government and the federal military to protect. Now, as the 14th Amendment says, once you're inside a state, citizens of the United States, according to the 14th Amendment, are also citizens of the state in which they reside, which means that people who are in the country that are not citizens of the United States, particularly illegal aliens who have no rights here, are not citizens of the state either. <laughs> you know? So they have, no, they have no status. They have no status federally. They have no status state-wise because... They're not allowed to be here. And, you, and as I've said over and over and over again, you cannot have rights in a place that you're not allowed to be in. That doesn't make sense. How can you have rights in a place you're not allowed to be in? Because you, you, obviously you can't exercise them because you're not allowed to be there. Well, if you can't exercise them, then, then you don't have them. <laughs> you know, it's, it's this kind of circular argument. But people say, well, the Supreme Court says illegal aliens have rights. Well, obviously they're wrong. The Supreme Court can't declare that. That's not in their power. They're supposed to settle cases. Anyway. So the point is, there's something state... interesting about that as well. Go ahead, um, please. It's a little off, but it's along the same lines of that. Don't worry about um, it. Uh, Whatever's about... on your mind is fair game. Yeah, go ahead. It was about like this um, um, prison that we had. I don't know what it was called, but basically it was like for um, foreign spies or basically terrorists and stuff. Mm, and like Guantanamo? I remember there was a big. Yes, yes, that's what it was. Oh, it was Gitmo. Okay, um, that's in Cuba. Yeah. Guantanamo. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> I just forgot the name. Um, that's okay. We'll fill in the gaps here. <laughs> there's like, do. supposedly a big outcry from people saying, you know, they, these terrorists and stuff didn't get due process. And, you Don't know, the process. rest of their constitutional rights. 
And <laughs> and I was thinking, I was because that's what they were teaching in school, you know, like they didn't get due process and stuff, so it needed what? to be shut down. What? And what? I was what did like, you say? how can they have constitutional rights or due process if not only are they not even citizens, but they're trying to kill the citizens? Like, what really? Like, who thought that they have any of those constitutional rights? I mean, they're not oh. citizens at all in the first place. But, right. Yeah. And what did your what did your dear teacher say to that? Uh, oh, I did. I didn't say anything. To, I don't even know the you, teacher, or if there is a teacher. Oh, it's just you didn't online say anything? thing. So. Oh, too bad. You, I don't even you think there the is a teacher. <laughs> oh, you could have made the best argument. Well, did you write something in, inflammatory? I hope. Did you respond loudly on the keyboard? It's not the same as in class. No, there's nowhere to really respond. <laughs> Uh, I'm so sorry because you would have been I, – I, if you ever want to become a trial lawyer, you'll probably be really good at it. But the thing is that uh, – or a talk show host, one or the other. They, we're, we're, they're kind of similar skills, I think. But, um, but this is the perfect, the perfect case right here you know, because – well, what, what, was, what was your online re- response or result or what was the question? How, how did this come about? Um, it was talking about um, like terrorism and stuff. And they right. were talking about, like, the prison that they uh, had for them. And it was basically saying that they didn't give them their constitutional rights and stuff. Okay. So who has constitutional rights? And that it was, like, yeah, yeah they called it, like, um, hypocritical of democracy or, or something along those lines. <laughs> well, democracy is hypocritical. Of a rep- we're not a democracy. So that's, um, so that argument goes out the window. So why – well, first of all, let's, let's ask who has constitutional rights. Let's establish that, and then, then we can talk about what Gitmo's for because it's really interesting. Who has constitutional rights, Brianna? Well, only the people under the Constitution, which would be citizens of the United States of America. Uh-huh. How about uh, permanent residents? Immigrants, lawful permanent residents. Um. I believe that they would too. Mm-hmm. Do they have all rights? What? what uh, let me just leave it at that. Do, do do immigrants have exactly the same rights as citizens? Um, I believe they do, but I believe there's more of a risk because they're not fully citizens. Now, there's two things that citizens but I'm not can't. Completely positive. There's, there's, there's two things that immigrants can't do. They can't vote and they can't serve on juries. Not only that, they can't run for president. Well, nobody can run for president unless oh, they're natural yeah. born. That's a good point, though. But, I mean, citizens, yeah, you have to be a natural born citizen, unlike Obama, whose birth certificate was ruled a fraud. Um, but, yeah, you have to be natural born. Now, they're Americans, and I'm an American, but I'm not a natural born American. So is that a – that's interesting. Would that come under a right, though? I guess it would. I mean, yeah. like, I guess how I uh-huh. think of it is if you're not subject to the laws of the Constitution – then you know you shouldn't have constitutional rights. Well, I would, I would, I would be careful of the word subject too, because then you get into other problems. But where I derive it, very simply, let's look at the very first sentence of the Constitution, which says, as I'm not good at memorization here, we the people of the United States. And who are the people of the United States? The citizens. Exactly. In order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, yada, yada, yada. So it doesn't say we the people, right? If it says we the people, that could be anybody. It says we the people of the United States. 
So the Constitution was written for, established by, and is geared towards the supreme power being with we the people of the United States. So if you're not a person of the United States, you don't have any rights here. Now, does that mean people can be shot at the airport? No. (laughs) You know, but go ahead. Not only that, uh, Irish, Irish slaves, Armenian slaves, black slaves were not citizens of the United States. Yeah. That changed, though. I'm talking 14th Amendment, which would have been 1865, maybe? Brianna, what was your point? It's an interesting point. Though. Well, even yeah, I'm just saying that they weren't because people mm-hmm. or try. You have uh, some people trying to uh, say they have a right to lawsuit because they were, or they don't. You know, there was a hidden in a Dred Scott case where Justice Tanny ruled, and it was a, it was a good ruling. Yeah, that was a different situation because that was, you know slaves were a different category at that point, and ever since slavery was ruled illegal, thank God, um, it doesn't apply. But in terms of today, you know, since we don't have slavery again, <laughs> thank God, um, that uh, that's a that's a that's an interesting it's an interesting argument. But it still is written for citizens. So the fact the problem was not with immigration; the problem was that slaves weren't considered citizens because the problem was that we had slaves, which we shouldn't have had. But given that that is a, is a past time, say you uh, shouldn't uh, have because slavery was <clears throat> slavery was legal. Every place else in the world had them. Yeah, but let's. let's but I want to keep it to in the world still have them. Yeah, that's true. But I want to keep it to citizenship today, because uh, we only have a few minutes left, and uh, we have actually a very special guest. Uh, if all goes well, we've got uh, uh, Mickey Wittoft, who's uh, Ashley Babbitt's mother. Ashley Babbitt was murdered uh, January sixth by uh, Michael J. Byrd. And so she might be coming on in about 15 minutes. So, Brandon, you're welcome to stick around. Pianki, you're always welcome to stick around. Um, but I want to get back to the citizenship because this is a big issue. That people think that just because you're in the United States, you know, that you have you have constitutional rights. Or the well, why do we keep why do we keep terrorists at Gitmo? Let's let's, let's talk about that for a second. Brianna, why do we keep the terrorists? So they're at Gitmo? not. Um, originally, like, I thought it was so that they weren't, or, like, couldn't be held, like, under the same, like, constitution, but, um, in all reality, well, I think the big reason really, is like, the true reason. Go ahead. Well, I, I think they're held there so they don't escape and, and become terrorists inside the country. We keep them outside the country on purpose. We keep them on a military base in Cuba. So if they escape from Guantanamo, is that a good thing or a bad thing for them? It's probably worse. To be a, a terrorist in Cuba, what do you think? They're better off in Gitmo with their soccer games and uh, you know prayer rugs and all the other little things that they get there. But they don't have constitutional rights because they're they're enemy combatants. They are terrorists. They're not Americans. So let's let's uh, let's consider somebody that uh, that flies into the country. Someone a tourist lands in America. What kind of rights does a tourist have? Tourist from I don't know France. I uh, come to the United um, States to see it as an amazing country. So uh, what kind of rights do they have? I'll ask Bianca the same question. That's a good question. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, do we have to admit them to the United States? Tourist lands from France. Do we have to admit them? Um, do we have to? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Can we? Yeah, but I don't know if we have to. I don't know. Well, what do you th- what do you think? 
Tourist lands from France. What's the first thing they do after they get off the airplane? I don't think you'd have to. Okay. I think you're right. But that's why we have customs and immigration. Used to, they used to be separate. You had immigration, which checked citizenship. You had customs, which checked you know, stuff you're bringing in. And they also had agriculture. Make sure you're not bringing food, plants. You, know, you don't have your shoes covered with soil, filled with anthrax, things like that. So there used to be three checks that, that people would go through before coming in the United States. And that's at the airport. So at the airport, they're still not in the United States yet. You're not in the United States until you have been examined by uh, customs, by immigration, and by agriculture, which are now combined into customs and border protection. That's what I used to do for a while. So they put me in a desk stamping passports. <laughs> Here's another story. Pianchi, what do you think? How, how are we doing so far? So, so tourist lands in France. What, what can they do? What can't they do? What kind of rights do they have? You don't have to give them a visa to come into the country for any I don't know if France reason. has a visa. Yeah, I don't know if France has a visa. Uh, Brianna, do you know what a visa well, is? Well, to come to the United States, you got to have a visa. Not from all I mean, countries. In many, in many countries, you have to have a visa. Yeah, that makes sense. And you have to have a visa to go to other countries. And Brianna, you know, you know one what? thing, too, yeah. they uh-huh. have stipulations. For instance, if you are a felon, you can't mm-hmm. come into their country. Right. So what's a visa? Brianna, do you know what a visa is? Yeah, um, I have a general idea of it. Okay. So what is it? Just to make sure you, we're all understanding here. Um, it's for, like, um, people who are not actually citizens of the United States. Um, they either plan to be or they're coming to um, work or travel or stay for a bit. No, you're thinking of a um, migrant. Yeah, migrants are a little different. No, a visa is like permission to come here. It's like a pre-check. It's a pre-qualification. It's a, it's a background check before you get here. So in other words, you apply for a visa, which says you have permission to come to the United States. doesn't mean you're going to be admitted at the border because you're still going to be examined. But you have to do that because that screens out people we don't want, terrorists, criminals, you know, pedophiles, you know, nasty people like that. We don't want them even coming into the country. And the computer systems are such now that people are tracked all over the world. So you're not going to get a visa if you show up on the bad list, like, like the no-fly list. So that, that had other problems. So that's what a visa is. So you, say you want to go to, I don't know, Egypt. You're probably going to have to have a visa. So they will, you'll apply for a visa to travel there. And if it's granted, away you go. I had to get a visa to go into East Germany when it was communist, crossing the Berlin Wall. I had a, I had a visa. It was good for one day. You know, and if I stayed too long, I was going to cause a major international incident. And it was 10 minutes from causing a major international incident because I got to the border 10 minutes before curfew. That's another story. I'll save that one. Uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I've had my moments in life. Anyway, so I crossed the border. And all those, but I, had, I still have it. I still have my one-day visa from Communist East Germany. But that's but a visa. So tourists, when they come to the country, so if a tourist has a problem, a tourist comes into the country and they've got you know ten pounds of heroin in their pockets. <laughs> okay, obviously they're gonna be arrested. Then what happens? Um, I assume they'll be sent back. Well, that's a good question. Exactly. Exactly what happens? What happens? Tourist shows up, 10 pounds of heroin. They're that stupid. Let's make it 10 ounces. Let's make them not completely stupid. <laughs> okay. So, so they got a small bag of heroin in their, in, their, in their possession somehow. Illegal drug. They smuggled it. They got it out of France, uh, and they brought it to the United States. Now what happens? Or Egypt or wherever. It doesn't matter. Well, where they come the from. drug is going uh-huh. to be seized, one thing. Then right. the tourist That's... is going to be uh-huh. – the tourist is going to be charged. You know, one thing, too, you might want to make Brandon know that visa stamps are inserted in your passport, your U.S. passport or any other country's passport. And when you're in the country, 
uh, if authorities ask you to ask to see your passport, you better show it to them and better have this visa stamp in it. If not, you get locked up. Yeah, that's very true. I've got my passports full of stamps from all over Europe. That's where I did most of my traveling outside the country. And uh, the biggest one's from uh, Liechtenstein, which is the smallest country I went to. It's like 16 miles by four miles. <laughs> but they got a huge stamp. I guess they feel uh, they need to, to boost their ego a little bit. But uh, that's very true. Another thing, too, when you're traveling, this is something that uh, my father told me before I went to Europe. He says, don't ever let a hotel keep your passport. So what they do in Europe, I don't know if they still do this, but back to the guest houses, they would say, you know, give me your passport, and then uh, you get it back tomorrow when you pay. So I said, okay, well, what if I pay now? I want to keep my pa- I didn't never want to surrender my passport under any circumstances. I said, I want to keep my passport. And I said, I said how about I just pay you now for the night? Oh, okay, that's no problem. So I said that, but they wanted to record the number because the police were tracking everybody. They record your passport number. So you can have my number. That's fine. I understand. But you're not having my passport. <laughs> Here's the number. Here's the money for the night. See you later. That's cool. Or whatever that was in whatever language. So you never surrender your passport. Never, never, never for any reason. What if it ends in the black market? Then you're screwed. So a passport is one of the most critical documents you can carry. Can I get anything to add? No, go ahead. I didn't get that one. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> he, he, we all get distracted. So, Brianna, so we got to get you traveling internationally. Got to get you that culture, as they say in Boston. Yeah, culture. You need more culture. <laughs> so we're just going to go vamp here until Josie comes. Actually, what I think I might do is, is take a quick break because we're going to be busy. We've got um, uh, Josie calling in any time now. We've got uh, potentially Ashley Babbitt's mom. We've got uh, Josh Yoder, who's an airline pilot. This is the second of our airline pilot chats. We had... Uh, uh, Dr. Kevin uh, Stillwagon yesterday. We've got Josh Yoder today. I think he's still flying. I'm not sure. He's a younger guy. So we'll see what's going on there. But um, let me play a couple things real quick. And then when Josie gets here, we'll be uh, all set to go. It is 8.01 uh, Action Radio here Tuesday morning. And be right back. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. 
Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. She started off as a poor child in Nicaragua, living under communism. And now she is a prosperous small businesswoman with a great family, living the dream as an American citizen. Josie Cossey knows all about both worlds, communism and freedom. She knows where your dreams can come alive and where they can die very quickly. And so her report is as much from experience as knowledge, and her passion and crusade are very real. With connections all over Central and South America, Josie brings you the world south of the U.S. border from personal experience, living, not just reporting, what's happening. And now, the Latina Report with Josie Cossey. Yeah, I forget to make her line live. <laughs> Konnichiwa, Josie-san. <laughs> yeah, make it live. Yeah, sorry. Good okay, morning, I'm, 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 ultra. Yeah, I'm, I'm failing in my conductor duties here to push the right buttons. So, yeah, yeah, we do it all here. Yeah. So first of all, congratulations to you for, for our guest, uh, you know, uh, and I hope I pronounced it right, Mickey Witoff. Did I pronounce that correctly? Mickey, yes. Let's call him Mickey. Mickey. Okay, sounds yeah. good. You're amazing. You really are. <laughs> you bring in some incredible people to the show. And so I really appreciate well, it. We, we have the naked cowboy. Who else do we have? The people that you brought here. It's been fascinating. I think that's it. I'm trying okay. to get Mike Flynn, so we'll see what mm-hmm. happens. Hey, someday. And, He'll uh, hear about us pretty soon. young because, ladies, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we were, uh, we were celebrating our uh, 40th anniversary in Nashville, and we went to the Great Awakening um, event for two days. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have met her at the beginning, uh, Nikki. And uh, we were at this restaurant, and they had – Gosh, uh, uh, 15, 17 people of them. I don't know how many big groups. Mm-hmm. So it was fun. They um, they came and celebrated with us uh, singing Happy Anniversary. So it was fun. They made my night. That was kind of cool. We had a nice See, cake to fill up order. So it was cool. So this is why I oh, want to go to some of these conferences. You know, I love conferences because you yeah. meet the most incredible people. Everybody's there. Um, we just need to get a little oh, bit more yeah. of a travel budget. I'm hoping Substack. You know, now that I'm writing for Substack, those articles will generate, oh. you know, more subscriptions. You know, so feel free to share our Substack. Yeah. Priyanki, too. Share the sub- Substack with, you know, your churches, your friends, your groups, your political groups, you know, any group you can. Uh, yeah. And uh, tell them that, you know, feel free to, to get a subscription and especially a paid subscription because that will help, uh, help me out here as well. Uh, keeping all of this going. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but convention, you know, travel uh, is going to be really important, especially if I can teach a workshop. So that's going to be critical. But mm-hmm. uh, so who'd you meet? Who else? Uh, you know, this, I mean, tell me about Mickey. I mean, let's give me a little oh, intro before she gets uh, here. There were so many, uh, so many, uh, so many doctors. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you, you met, you met most of the doctors so far, you know. Um, well, I've met them in person, but Dr. I've talked Artis. to them. You know, well, I met Dr. Artis because he yeah. came here to Pensacola. So that's what really started off. Peter McAllen, uh, he was Peter McAllen, he was very nice. So, yeah. So I was I was meeting them kind of like in the background since I didn't have backstage passes this time. Huh. Um, I was in the back. Um, I knew I knew exactly where they were going to come out, so I was there. <laughs> Do you know what we need for you? Ready to go. We need we need a badge for you that says Action Radio. 
you know, Latina reporter or action radio reporter or something like that. We need mm-hmm. to make you a badge. Yeah, I can get that. With your, yeah. well, do you know, because I like one too. <laughs> so either a card or a badge. Yeah. You, you have the, those badge holder things. They're pretty standard size. I've got one. Yeah. I have, uh, the two I've been, media, like a media. Yeah, a media, media pass. Yeah, exactly. Pass. Yeah, but you should That's wear one because you represent action radio and there's no reason you shouldn't have a, have a badge to show people. Yeah, Pianchi? Yeah. She go to police supply and uh, get a badge, get a pretty gold, so you can flip no, it on somebody real fast. Funny. <laughs> we don't want a police badge. No, it's not a police badge. It's just a badge. That's all. No, it's not a badge. No, well, we we want a press pass. Is what we need. We need something it's just that. A pass. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but there's there's things that they have that different sizes. You know, the, the, so I don't know what size is press. No. Yeah, no. Yes. You saw the Three Stooges, right? Press, press, pull. That was a different one. Anyway, um, <laughs> going back to my childhood. So, yeah. So, like, I'll let you know as soon as uh, uh, Mickey calls in. But um, right now, it's it's just us. So, anything else to report from that, yeah. or anything going on lately? What's what's happening? Um, I'm I'm hearing more and more people collapsing with heart attacks here in Pensacola. You know, mm-hmm. since I'm the information center in my store. You are. Uh, there was a 30-year-old bodybuilder in one of the local hospitals and died of a heart attack. He collapsed See, and he said, Was he professional? Was he a competitor? Because I'm thinking he would have had heart checks. He would have had some kind of physicals before going into bodybuilding. Or was he just doing this on of his course. own? Of um, course. No, I, I'm not sure if he was a professional, but one of the nurses that worked there uh, – Actually, she's she's a physician assistant. Actually, this young girl that just graduated, she was telling me all about it. Um, and you know, the nurses they just tell it all. You know, uh-huh. I wish they can do that uh, at the media. Go tell the media what's happening. Only can tell even, it here. Even if you lose your job, you know. Yeah. So it's pretty sad. And you know, Greg, Mike Adams. I know he has his own show on Rumble. He was talking about the NFL, uh, the collapse of the heart attack. He doesn't DeMar. believe that this young man is alive. He says, that's impossible. I hope he is, but something is going on. Well, Dr. Mc- just, Peter McCullough on this show just, said that he predicted he would survive um, the heart attack. He probably would? because he's in physical. Peter McCullough, on the show, he told us that on the show. He said he predicted that mm-hmm, based on everything mm-hmm. he knew, and he didn't examine him, but based on what he knew and what he knew of the case, that uh, he, you know, it was a survivable uh, heart attack. So I don't know what mm-hmm. the current says. Mm-hmm. Jackie, do you know where DeMar Hamlin is right now? I hope so. I mean, I hope he's okay. Well, he's not going to play football anymore. Well, that's, yeah, well, that's a not. given. No. But, so uh, I don't know what his physical uh, condition is at this point. Okay. All right. I was just curious, you know. All right, Josie. Because um, what happens is they were talking about after so many minutes doing CPR, that person is dead. But yeah, I think it's ten minutes, and they did it like nine. I mean, I don't. Well, that's the question is. Well, that's a different question. Is he? Is he? You know, he's alive. But the question is, in what condition is he alive? That we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And then he was saying. He was saying that this young man went to the went to a game, and he had a mask and a hoodie. It could have been any black young man there. They didn't know it was him, and they said, "Oh, that was him right there." 
Yeah. So, let me let me just hold you up. We've got a very we've got a very special guest, Mickey Whitoff, uh, the mother yes. of Ashley Babbitt. Let me just make her line live and welcome her to Action Radio. And you got Josie, who you know, and uh, me. I'm Greg Pengelis, and we've got uh, Pianki's on the line too. First of all, let's give you a round of because we are so proud of what you're doing, and uh, we want to we want justice for Ashley. So I'm just going to let you tell your story. So welcome to the show, and uh, introduce yourself, and, and the floor is yours. Hi, Good morning, thank you guys for having me. Mama. Hey. hey, Josie. Nice to hear from you again. Um, yeah, well, my name yes. is Mickey Whithoff. I'm the mother of Ashley Babbitt. She was the woman shot into, one of the women shot and killed on, in, on January 6th. Um, Roseanne Boylan wasn't shot, but she was beaten to death by Capitol Police Officer Lila, or uh, Metropolitan Police Officer Lila Morris. And, um, you know, those, those videos are just now starting to come out, and people are starting to realize the behavior of the Capitol Police that day. Um, I, it's my uh, opinion there's been no real investigation launched into that day. Um, today, our group of people are, is going to be at the Rayburn building. They are having a House Judiciary uh, meeting and an Oversight Committee meeting, and uh, they have opened mm-hmm. up the Rayburn back to the public. So we will be there talking to congressmen and making our feelings known. Um, you know, my daughter was was an Air Force veteran, deployed four times to the Middle East in her young life, and came back to be shot down by her mm-hmm. own government. And there has been no investigation launched into that. Michael Byrd was cleared, in my opinion, without a proper investigation. So we need our congressmen and our uh, judiciary committees, our oversight committees, to look into the happenings on January 6th. Yeah. Fortunately, Definitely. we're in uh, Congress in uh, Matt Gates district, so I'll be forwarding the show to him. And also, recently, we had Christina Bond, the show, who's Trump's attorney. Um, and so I'm going to be forwarding the show to her as well. So do you have messages for them, for, for members of Congress, uh, the Trump campaign President Trump in general, uh, anything that you want to, to share here that we can uh, we can send out to people? Well, you know, everybody, you know, I think this country needs to look at look at the reason why two million people showed up at the Capitol that day and their treatment mm-hmm. since. You know, we have actually, you know, thrown the Constitution away when it comes to J6ers. You know, I've been in D.C. since August 1st holding a vigil outside the D.C. jail where these men for 700 and some odd days have had no visitation from their family until recently when Troy Nels did get them visitation uh, three weeks ago after two years of mm-hmm. nothing. So thank you, Troy Nels. But we also need to look into the oh, people Lord. that are sitting in jail for trying mm-hmm. to save Roseanne Boylan's life. It's a moral obligation as a human being to try to prevent the murder of another human being, even if the perpetrators are wearing a uniform. So, you know, it's, it's, our, it's our belief and our hope that, that these congressmen, now that the, there's power in the House, should be looking into this soon. Uh, Matt Gates, you said you were going to try to release the 14, or you were going to release the 14,000 hours of footage. Um, I did uh, see Matt Gates the other day. I reached out to his office and tried to uh, schedule a meeting with him. So we'll see how mm-hmm. that goes. And, okay. you know, this, the couple of congressmen on our, on our that have even uh, mentioned this situation, Jim Jordan, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Paul Gosar, Louis Gummer, even though he's not in office anymore, he's been a great help to our uh, to our side. And we appreciate and love him. You know, he called out Judge Sullivan for the treatment of Simone Gold, um, of Dr. Simone Gold and uh, her incarceration at the hands of, of Judge Sullivan, who had formerly dated her. Um, the the oh, things that go on. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking news. Oh, yeah, Thank he you. got the, yeah, he had formally dated her and then he got to sentence her, which, you know, really, if that's not a conflict of interest, you know, the January 6th committee hearing, our, our representatives were, were uh, not representing us. Kensinger had donated to Michael Byrd's Give, Send, Go. And, and you know, um, Liz Cheney, she's not really on anybody's side. She's just on her own side. So, you know, she rode the fence so long that she finally fell off on one side. But, um, hmm. you know, we've had, 
She's a traitor, Liz Cheney. Absolutely. You know, as are so many of our politicians. And the problem with the politicians is, you know, they they want, I think that they go to Washington with good intentions and and oftentimes are just eaten up by this machine that we call our government. And it's just become Mm -hmm. so big and out of control, you know, and, and, um, you know, Trump supporters and and, uh, right wing people are not anti-government. We are just anti-large government and we want them to stay in their lane and quit with the overreach. And, and, you know, like sitting in on these trials, like I said, we've we've been here in in the Team Eagle's Nest since August 1st and we attend the trials of these January 6th defendants and and it's just obvious that they're not trying the defendant, they're trying the day on the calendar. There's been nothing but guilty across the board for some men that committed no violent acts, have no criminal history and um, didn't really do anything more than show up and wave a flag. And uh, we want we want equal justice under the law, and and uh, we need to mm-hmm. see that we need to have these men have their day in court. We have um, John Mellis been sitting in the D.C. jail over 700 days with not even a bond hearing. So, you know, that's not wow. how we do things in this country. They're pretrial detention for 700 and some odd days. So, you know, we need to to bring back the Constitution and make it count. They're also, you know, like the Proud Boys trial, the Oath Keepers. They're they're putting these men on trial four and five people at a time with one jury. So I think I believe that in itself is unconstitutional. We need a change of venue because nobody is going to get a trial uh, by their the jury of their peers in this city. It's 95% Democratic, 95% Biden voters. So, you know, you go into it with, with all these strikes against you. So we absolutely need a change of venue. We need our, our men and our women to be judged by a jury of their peers, which you're not going to find here in D.C., mm-hmm. but they won't let these cases go back to their, their states because they want the power and, and they want to be able to... Uh, say that every single person there that day was the antithesis of a patriot. Well, I beg to differ. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, it was a very patriotic day until the Capitol Police waged war on American citizens. Let me just have yeah, no, a question here. Cause we've, we've, hold on, hold on, Jackie. Hold on, everybody. Uh, this is one of the things we thought of is that the mm-hmm. states should have a claim on their own people. D.C. is not Absolutely. a state. It's not part of the states. These people are being tried basically in a foreign country is what it looks like. Yeah. They're not given any constitutional rights. They're political prisoners. Uh, and so... Is, is there any movement uh, either in Congress or with the state legislatures to reclaim? Uh, I don't know what uh, I forgot what state you're from, but uh, you know the, the folks that you know or anybody just to advocate that the states in general basically take these people back and just show up at D.C. and say we're taking our people back. They're going to be tried in state court. Now you can bring in your prosecutors, but you have no jurisdiction over these people here. Is there any move on well, that? Well, I absolutely, I absolutely believe that's what needs to happen. But so far, it's okay. not happened. We do have some organizations. Trentus Evans with Condemned USA is working hard for the change of venue aspect. Mm-hmm. You know, Randy Ireland with Americans for Justice is working hard for these men every day. Um, we're out there. Like I said, we've held vigils since August 1st outside the D.C. Uh, jail. Um, we are working with Northern Neck Patriots to uncover some uh, injustices in, in the Northern Neck Regional Jail. And the Northern Neck Patriots in that area are a very activated group of citizens. And I believe we have pockets of these activated citizens throughout this country. And we just need people to be a little louder and consistent because I believe in the American people and I believe there will be justice mm-hmm. for my daughter, for Roseanne, for Kevin, and for Benjamin, as well as Officer Brian Sicknick, who, who you know, people think that they, they, the January 6th committee is still talking about how many officers died that day zero is the answer we they, no no officers died at the hands of trump supporters or MAGA supporters or anybody that was there that day officer signick had a stroke and they did not render him aid which seems to be their the theme of the day you know they didn't render ashley aid in a timely fashion they didn't you know they they roseanne boylan was was already down when lila morris started beating her and and um 
you know, uh, Kevin Greeson was hit with a flashbang grenade. His official cause of death was heart attack, but that's what happens when you get hit with a flashbang grenade with no warning overhead, you know. And the rubber bullets, you know, the real bullet that killed my daughter, obviously lethal force, but rubber bullets when shot from above become lethal weapons. They push people off roofs or off walls that day. They shot people in the face with rubber bullets. They hit people with grenade canisters. And I absolutely think that the Capitol Police need to be held accountable for that. But they operate with complete impunity. You can't FOIA them. They, they're not even um, subject to an external review process. It's strictly, you know, they're an arm of Congress. They're not even actually a police force. They're a separate arm of Congress. They take their orders from Congress and they take their reprimands from Congress. The man that shot my daughter had a prior excessive use of force issue and he left his loaded weapon in a bathroom, which in any other police force in this country would get you fired, but instead he's been promoted and put in a position where he was able to murder people unquestioned. So I, I think that we absolutely need to change the way the Capitol Police are allowed to operate. This is fascinating. I've just muted everybody because I want to let you say the whole thing. One thing to consider about Brian Sicknick, we post the possibility that he was actually uh, one of the first public victims of the COVID shot. And he's been cremated, so I don't think there's any way to check that. But uh, a stroke for a 40-year-old man, two strokes on the same day. You know, they, got their, right. they got their injections about three weeks previously, but I think that's something worth looking into uh, is that possibility. Yeah, I absolutely believe that is a possibility. And, you know, but, but their behavior that day, uh, what the Capitol Police and, and the authorities that day, their, their behavior and their lack of action contributed to his death. And yet they still push forward the narrative that it was caused by Trump supporters. And, and uh, you know, I, I believe as well as you do that that shot maybe ha- had something to do with his, his stroke. But as you said, his body was cremated. And um, there's there's really no way to prove that now. But you know, as well as, as, as the American public is starting to wake up to the fact that these vaccines are killing people. Yeah. How much time do you have? Because I want to have uh, Josie and Pianchi ask a couple of questions. Well, I have time for a couple of questions, but we are headed to the Rayburn building today because yeah. there's a... Uh, there, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I have time for a couple of questions. All right. Let me just, just I do wanted, one thing real quick. I wanted to, right. I wanted ahead, to Jesse, say you to first. my guest... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, I've been telling I've been telling this radio station um, that our people are being treated like criminals, worse than people in Cuba. I do missions in Cuba, and I was at the Capitol. I know what the police were doing. I know what the police were lowering the barricades for us to come through. Of course, I didn't go inside the Capitol, but you know, these people had it all well organized. And towards the end of the day, they started saying there's a curfew, a curfew. We barely didn't make it to the bus. And, you know, I believe that a lot of Trump supporters got arrested because they were caught because they didn't make it to their cars uh, because of the curfew. Do you know anything about that? I also, well, I want to mention the curfew, too, that um, a lot of our January 6th defendants are being charged with interrupting interstate commerce, and that it has to do with the curfew and the mm-hmm. fact that Safeway stores had to close early that night. And we are there's felony charges are sticking on these men for for the fact that for the reason that uh, Safeway mm-hmm. had to close early. So so it, it enhances their sentence uh, points, and they are actually you know sticking felony charges on these men because Safeway had to close early. So that's that's another mm-hmm. injustice. You know we have people being yeah. charged with. Seditious conspiracy that never entered 
Washington, D.C. You know, Ed Vallejo, mm-hmm. the Oath Keepers, never en- entered the city, and he's being charged with seditious conspiracy. So, I, I mean, he, and he was found guilty of seditious conspiracy. So, you know, the, the, you, mm-hmm. these, the juries in, in D.C., um, we really just need to have a change of venue. And I don't understand the lack of mm-hmm. righteous indignation of, of, by the American people over, over what happened that day. But the media has done <clears throat> such a great job of lying and covering things up and, and, and pushing their narrative forward. So we need to, um, as American citizens, dig into the truth and be done with mainstream media. I believe our live streamers and our independent journalists are the wave of the future, and I don't think we can trust a damn thing that these uh, mainstream media people say and mainstream Mm -hmm. media sources, because they are absolutely also uh, an arm of Congress. They're told what to say by their handlers who are told what to say by Congress, and there's actually a recipe for for misinformation in this country. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. And uh, how can we get involved? Tell people how can they get involved? Um, can we go to D.C.? Will they let us be with your group? Um, yes, anybody that wants to can come stand on Freedom Corner with us. We're at, you know, by the Congressional Cemetery, 1901 mm-hmm. E Street Southeast. Uh, but also people, mm-hmm. people. I understand not everybody can be in D.C., and this is really a horrible city to be in, but you can take action locally. You can contact your local representatives. You can contact the, the members on the oversight committees and let them know how displeased you are with the American politicians' behavior and remind these people that they work for us. It's, it's so um, backwards the way right. Americans are suddenly scared of their government, and our government works for us. So I think every chance American citizens get to remind their leaders that they work for us would, would be advantageous to all of us. Yeah, I've got one yeah. point I want to make, and then we'll take it up later. And I get a question from Pianki. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, what we do here at Action Radio, this is the only show with a citizen legislature. We actually write bills. We have a bill on product liability for mm-hmm. vaccine makers. We have a bill that stops big tech censorship. I want to talk to you about this later. Obviously, you've got uh, you know a whole bunch more important things to do right now. But sometime in the future, um, I'd love to get you involved with what we do here and and writing corrective legislation so this kind of stuff never happens again. Whether at the state right. or the federal level, yeah. So that's going to be good. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate for what you're doing because you're you're helping all of us. You know, you when you fight for Ashley's freedom, yes. you fight for all of our freedoms. Pianki, do you have a question yes. for uh, for uh, Mickey? Well, I got three points I want to make. One, you never would get a fair jury because the majority of the jury pool is black, and black comes with a stigmatism considering whites as white supremacists and white nationalists. Uh, you got another point where you have the, the the chairman of the committee, uh, Benny Thomas from Mississippi, at one point in his life, he was supported of a black uh, separatist organization in the United States called, uh, I can't think of their name right there, Republic of New Africa, which had engaged in shootouts with police and killed police officers. And another point is that every one of those people that's held unlawfully should receive reparations. Berg applied deadly force as a as in the authority of a police officer, and that's one of the things that's in the news today about police officers using deadly force, especially to shoot and kill blacks. So you have to turn that and use it as your weapon against what's going on now. Hmm, Mickey. Right. Well. I don't think that the jury lines are divided along black and white. I think it's divided along these are D.C. people. Uh, You know, I don't think there's as much racial racial division in this country as our government would lead us to believe. And I live in Southern Mm -hmm. California as a rule where we live in communities in harmony with each other. And I think that the black and white community, the Hispanic and the white community, Hispanic and black community, we live in harmony together. We, our children, play uh, sports together. They go to school together. We work together. We live side by side 
divide, and I think that we live in harmony for the most part until the government gets involved and starts making making race an issue. And I'm not saying race isn't an issue in this country, but I think that we've come so far, and 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 I don't I I don't. I mean, I, I think that so black and brown people have been being killed by the police for so long, and I understand the, the community's outrage. And, and I think that, you know, uh, a murder victim by color of authority, the police kill anybody. It absolutely needs to be looked into. Like, you know, Tyree Nichols, it took less than a month for the body cam footage to be released. And, and I think that, you know, these men should absolutely be held accountable. But I want to see the 14,000 hours of missing footage of, of that, uh, January yeah. 6th. And, and I absolutely believe that my daughter deserves justice, uh, no matter what her, her skin color. I believe Roseanne deserves justice, no matter what her skin color. And I don't believe that it's going to be a black and white issue. I don't think it should be a black and white issue. I think that, you know, people throughout this country are good, hardworking American citizens. I think it's a city that is toxic. I think this city that is racist. I think this city that is just so um, ass backwards in the way they think and so unconstitutional and so obvious in their corruption that that's what we should look at. You know, that is absolutely what we should look at. Hmm. This is an interesting idea. I'm going to explore this with you later, actually redoing the, the charter or the rules for D.C. Uh, maybe people shouldn't live there. Maybe they shouldn't serve on juries. Maybe there's a bunch of things we might want to consider. Um, there's, a, there's a title, uh, 18, Section 241. It's called Conspiracy Against Rights, and it says that whenever two or more people conspire to oppress the exercise or enjoyment of any constitutional right, there are fines and prison terms involved with that. So Title 18, Section 241, and Section 242 covers acting under color of law. I don't know if you're using those, but those might be incredibly useful to you uh, in Washington, especially members of Congress who like to have titles and sections of laws. Are you working with that at all? We are working with a group of people that, that are, are uh, exploring all angles. So, Good. yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's ex- exactly um, the titles you were talking about, but we mm-hmm. do have a lot of intelligent people exploring a lot of uh, issues and trying to come at it from all angles. But I'm Justin? actually unfamiliar with the statute you just mentioned, but I'm sure that some of our team members are. I'll send it are. to you. Yeah, I'll send it to you. Okay. Uh, so right. I'll have thank Action Radio so on the hey. text. You got to go? Hey, right. Mickey, so Mickey, Mickey yep. thank you so much. Uh, I want you to tell um, the group just, we are praying for them. I go to bed in tears a lot of times because I know how bad it is in the D.C. jails. I heard a lot about it already. Yes, ma'am, Mickey? Josie. I just wanted to say it was a pleasure to meet you guys in Tennessee. And I know that when we stood up in the Longhorn yes. Steakhouse to sing the national anthem at 9 yes. o'clock, as we do every night, 9 o'clock Eastern time, that I appreciated your table yes. being brave enough to stand up and sing with us. And I appreciate you um, yes. including us at your anniversary celebration. It was an amazing experience to meet you, and I look yes. forward to talking Thank to you again. Thank you. Thank we'll you. chat again. God Good luck bless. with everything you're, you're you. doing for, for Ashley. And we'll be in touch. I appreciate it. Thank Thanks, you, guys. Mickey. I appreciate you. All right. All right. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye we love you. Love you, too. Bye-bye. All right. We're thank, back. Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> thank you for that. That was, that was incredible. Thank you. And I just want to let her talk as much as possible to get, uh, you know, what she had to say yeah, um, you know, on our record here. So definitely. then we can, you know, we can podcast it. And we can go from there. So that was good. Pianki, you brought some good points. You know, uh, now we've got, so we got yeah, a little yeah, more time. Yeah, they are good points. I know what I hear. <laughs> I know what I read. I know the comments that I hear on <laughs> other radio stations, even the AM stations. In the, yeah. the regular broadcast spectrum, uh, like mm. in Detroit, they consider those people that's being held as white supremacists, 
yep. and those who try to take over the government. That's what they consider. Well, here's a question. And you never they... will get a – you never will get – and, you know, I know it's hard for you. It's easy for me to say this. It's easy as breathing. You know why? Because I'm one of them. I know what they say. <laughs> I would never yeah. be put on a jury. They won't put me on a jury. They say they, they need to have more blacks. On the, they won't put me on a jury. Yeah. You know why? Because I know how things work. Yeah. Well, here's a question for you, though. Do you think that – I don't know what percentage of, of the political prisoners, and that's what I call them, uh, the January 6th folks are black. Uh, do you think they singled out white people to arrest to enforce their white supremacy model? You probably I mean, don't people? have two of them. How many of you – you probably don't have two blacks that's in the whole mix. And if you did, it would be hooping and hooping by the, the I think there's uh, more, regular. I think there's more than two. Yeah. It can't, I bet it's not ten. I don't think there's ten. No. Yeah, no, that's it's not. No, it's not ten. So in other words, not representative of the. See, the people that are Trump supporters are black, white, Hispanic. You know, Asian. I mean, you know, Christian, everything. Jewish, Hindu. Yeah. I mean, everything. I mean, Trump supporters are all across the board. So this is what I'm wondering. Is getting to your point. Now, I agree with what Mickey says that, that, that we belong. Racism is something that's created mm-hmm. by political groups that want to use it against other people, people that, that, that don't believe what they believe. In other words, conservatives and patriots who believe in America first, as opposed to Karl Marx first and oppressing everybody. And so they use race. But I think she's absolutely right that throughout America, most of us, we don't think of it. We, we go about our daily business talking to everybody we talk to, especially in San Francisco. I mean, everybody's a minority there. So it would never occur to you well, to, to think, you know, uh, but I know what you're talking about. D.C. is a different place. So I, I think you're right on that. You know how they describe those people that's locked up in the news headline? White nationalists. Yeah, I believe it. Now, but, they, didn't mention, they don't mention white and black mm-hmm. resurrection. No, it's white nationalists. Give me reparations. So, so mm-hmm. that right there taints your jury pool. Mm-hmm. Another thing, just like it is with this uh, Nichols, you had the NAACP in Missouri issue mm-hmm. a ban, a statewide ban of people, of blacks traveling through Missouri. And you can read what they said. If what you're black this? traveling through Missouri, you stand a chance of being killed by white police. Now, <laughs> is that not, what? is that, are they not co-conspirators in putting the sentiment in black motors, when the police is behind you for a traffic stop, you better run. Yeah, yeah. That's like uh, when they did the LGBTQ thing with Georgia, uh, and they took away, I think, one of the playoff games. I forgot which. I think it was baseball. They don't go to Georgia. You know, they're unfriendly to, to gay people, which is a bunch of nonsense. Let's get back to Josie. Uh, I'm going to get your comments on that and then uh, um, other topics you might want to bring up. Yeah, this is important. I, I'm not, you know, I'm just. I'm, I'm glad here. she talked fast because she got a lot in. Let me tell she you. She did. I, well, I just let her go. Yeah. I didn't have I didn't questions. I'm done. You know, I just, she was saying everything. And when guests do that, I like to uh, just kind of stand back, yes, especially when it. we know that this is going to be sent to, uh, to other places. In fact, not only are they going to get that at the top of the hour, yeah. we have uh, Josh Yoda joining us, who's, you know, another airline pilot who uh, was forced out. Didn't take the jab, and and he's been on a, he's been on with uh, Stu Peters. He's been on with a bunch. Of, he knows Kevin McCullough. Uh, right. Excuse me, Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, Kevin Stillwagon. I mean, they're all buds. I mean, this is mm-hmm. such an activist crew. What the what the left has done that they I don't know if they realized it, but they've they've uh, basically they've got uh, the compliant are the ones who are getting the jab, and those are the people that are mm-hmm. sadly dying and becoming injured. 
you know, us rebels out here, those of us in the resistance, <laughs> we're the ones that we never took the jab. We're doing fine. <laughs> and so, the, the, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of interesting that we're and we're all and they brought us all together. Idiots. Yes. You know, it's, yes. it's like a natural disaster. And, and you know, Greg, Go ahead. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of a lot of people, they they don't talk much about all the people in prison being treated the way they are in this country. And you see stuff like that in Cuba, or I'm from Nicaragua. You see prisoners like that. And this, this uh, real American uh, that they're in jail, they're not mm-hmm. giving them fair, fair trials at all, you know. Yeah. They're guilty no matter what. And um, I keep forgetting the guy uh, with the feet on the table that day. Um, yeah. He was found a couple of days ago guilty in four counts. Yeah, that's what Mickey was telling me. I haven't seen the Well, I should send her the show. Well, I don't know. Like I say, Jonathan yeah. might be able to help her. I don't know if – I was hoping Jonathan would call in just to, just to say hi and see. She knows. Uh, she knows, uh, she knows she about knows, him? Okay, so they can uh, get in contact. Then. But yeah. we had, yeah, we had Stuart – remember when Stuart Rhodes called in from the Oklahoma Federal Prison? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's you what know, I was so I'm going to send her – I'm going to send Mickey that show too so that she has that yeah. uh, that information as well. That uh, you know who it is. Mm-hmm. That Capitol Police he, officer, the black man, uh, Bird, he should be brought mm-hmm. up on murder charges. He used oh. what? Deadly force unprovoked. And also he said hate crime, yes. Jesse had a point? And you know – you know, yeah, Jenny's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know – when we were going to D.C., they told us no weapon allowed on site, period. Mm-hmm. So that policeman that shot Ashley, he knew exactly she didn't have no arm at all because you're not allowed to bring any weapons at all to D.C. area. And uh, these people are criminals. These people uh, are all in it. The mayor, she should be charged. So they well organized everything, and of course they don't want to release the videos because the video is going to show everything. And well, it's going to show. Remember, it was, uh, remember, remember, we had Christina Bob on earlier, and we were talking about how there was nobody there when she was mm-hmm. out because everybody was at the was at the Trump rally. They were still at the speech, and that the, the Antifa and, and Black Lives Matter and uh, an the, the, the FBI the FBI operatives had to go in and stop the Arizona challenge. That's their main goal, but, they could, mm-hmm. but the Trump supporters weren't there. See, this is the part you don't see. You don't see the early videos when they went in. We need one with a timeline that says, you know, that, says the, yeah. that has the Trump speech on one side, a split screen, and the other half has the, has the Capitol at the time of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. when the, uh, the invaders, the operatives, went in to stop Arizona's, uh, the challenge to the Arizona yeah, election well, and, the, and, the brand and, elect, and the Trump electors. So here's, here's the question, though. Yeah. Here's the nasty question for both of you. Uh, because we know they're unarmed. Because we know they were brought in by the Capitol Hill police. We know that this is, we call it the Capitol Hill Invitational Walk-In. My question is, Mm -hmm. was Michael J. Byrd recruited to kill somebody, to bring a murder or bring a, a death to this, to bring a homicide to this, to dramatize the event? Was that part of the plan and this is why he knew he could do it, and he knew he was going to get off scot-free, that they weren't going to uh, prosecute him. Was he recruited, being the fact that he's not the best officer in the world, to actually do this? And it wasn't, it's just that Ashley Babbitt was the, the random person that he picked. What are the possibilities that this was actually, what are the possibilities that this mm-hmm. was actually part of the coup was to kill one of the Trump supporters? What do you think? He was Jack Ruby. Okay. 
Well, no, Jack Ruby was killed. Jack Ruby killed Lee Harvey Oswald. Jack Lee Ruby Harvey killed Oswald. Right. Well, who so killed Jack Ruby? Bird is a Jack. Bird is a Jack Ruby. But it's different though, because Ashley Babbitt was uh, Ashley Babbitt was the veteran. She never suspected anything. She's a good, honorable, lawful American citizen. So, but what I'm saying is that it it wasn't anything that Ashley Babbitt did or didn't do. That that he may have been recruited did to kill a Trump was, uh, supporter. Jack Ruby recruited to, was Jack Ruby recruited to kill Oswald? I think so, but it's a different situation. That was a political well, assassination. Well, Bird was recruited to kill. Bird was recruited yeah, to, was kill recruited to kill Well, that's what I'm wondering. I mean, it's, it's, I don't think they're comparable situations, other than the fact that he was recruited for this. And this is what I'm. I don't know if anybody's ever investigated this, but is it possible? I think it's very possible. I think Pianki does too. Josie, what do you think? No, everything was well organized. Everything, because the Democrats have it all. And uh, that's why they're after Trump, because Trump has a lot of the information uh, showing all the plan, everything that they um, they were supposed to do on that day. So by the time we got to the Capitol, uh, you know, outside, I was in the back part, there were so many people there. I mean, so many people. It was and, – and, and I was telling my husband <laughs> – I was telling my husband – yeah, uh-huh. two point something million showed up, and it was like a sea of people um, peacefully. Uh, but the thing that bothered us was seeing a lot of so-called Trump supporters with baseball bats, backpacks, uh, cocktails hanging on their clothes right here. And I was like, that is weird. Trump supporters will not carry stuff like this. So something well, was not yeah, yeah, exactly. The thing is, is that you was there supporting Trump, uh, Josie. You of are course. an insurrectionist. Yeah, but you I'm are wait. considered they an insurrectionist. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the well, he, FBI. Uh, I got my videos. Too. I got everything ready. You wouldn't bring weapons mm-hmm. anyway because you weren't there to protest. You were there to support. You were supporting Congress. And this exactly. is the thing people forget, too. The whole point of this was to support Congress's challenge to the Brandon electors because they were fraudulent. You were trying to stop Mm -hmm. the stealing of the election. Well, the election got stolen anyway. Let me ask you all another question. Think back to that video. Mm -hmm. It's a horrible video. You know, know, when Ashley Babbitt was killed. And this is why I'm glad, you know, her mom's not here. You know, I I didn't want to bring it up too much. But she seems dealing with it really well. She's mad. But the point is, if you notice that there's two people, two men, who are breaking the window, trying to get into the chamber, uh, and Michael Byrd's on the other side. This is Officer Michael Byrd of the Capitol Hill Police who shot and killed Ashley Babbitt. Mm-hmm. Ashley Babbitt was not trying to break in. In fact, I think she was doing the opposite. No. She was like standing back and trying to move she people away. Back. So let me ask you this. Did Michael Byrd know the two people who were trying to break in because they were also operatives? Because Trump supporters wouldn't do that. I don't know. What position was Babbitt in when she got shot? She was standing, you know, or I think she was like climbing up to a window to take a look or something like that. But Was she on two hands and two knees? Uh, I think she was standing up. I mean, I have to go back and check the video. She was standing, I think. Yeah. But, but what the, I know is but that, the thing, but there, remember the two guys in the foreground that were actually breaking the window trying to get in? Mm-hmm. So why weren't they? But, but Greg, <laughs> there were so many police inside the Capitol that they could have stopped right behind it. Ashley got it. Well, you have to do, and they did Yeah, but why that, did they shoot know? her? Why did they shoot her? If she was just standing up, why did they shoot her? That's the question. He could have shot anybody. But like Greg was saying, they had to pick somebody to be dead on that day. It's one of Trump's. Well, that don't. And and it's all well organized. 
they say that she was crawling through the window. That's not what I saw. That's no. what you hear in the, no. that's what you hear in conversation. Well, that's the, she's that's crawling the, through the window. That's the plant well, well, in your head. If she's crawling through the window, she's on mm-hmm. two hands and two knees. She does not present a threat, whereas you have to use deadly force. Bird should be charged with murder. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But there's yeah. no place to crawl in. And I've heard this, too. They, they, they put this thought in your head. It's power of suggestion, right? So you say that actually the bat was crawling into the – well, crawling in from where? There's no, there's no ledge. <laughs> there's no structure. There's no board that you can crawl up and crawl in. And the windows that, that, below it, you've got doors, and you don't crawl through doors. So the only way you can crawl through a window, window is to be on an elevated place. Yeah, so the she window wasn't. broke out, and she crawled through the windowsill. No, this is inside, this is inside the hallway. This is a hallway. So you've got Ashley Babbitt. You got two guys that are trying to break in through the window that are violent, uh, and then you got police right behind them that are letting them do it. This is a total setup. Now, was she killed because she was a woman too? Because they thought that would bring more favor uh, upon their cause and more anger in the American public. I mean, was that why she? Well, I mean, why I'm come just, Bird didn't shoot one of the? Why come Bird didn't shoot one of the blacks that was standing up in the hallway? Good question. Or one of the men, mm-hmm. or one of any number of other people. And he had to make sure he and didn't you know, hit one of his Greg, fellow police officers. There's something, there's, there's a lot yeah. very wrong with this. Yeah. Go ahead. Greg, Jesse? those doors don't open by themselves, period. Mm-hmm. I played inside the Capitol when I was a young girl so many times. It, mm-hmm. They have top security that those doors open from the inside. You don't open the doors from the outside at all. The police are all in it, the mayor. The Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, they're all well-organized, this whole thing, because they told us that we were going to be protected with over 2,000 uh, National Guards uh, when we were invited by turning four new yeah, yeah. And by the time, well, I didn't know, but that's what they said to us hmm. when we were heading that okay. way. Uh, we, hmm. were, we were guests of turning four in USA. And... Uh, so what happened is there was nobody there, and we're like, "Where's our national guard?" Mm-hmm. And nobody knew. How about that? So, but nobody had weapon, nobody had knife, nobody had anything at all like that. And once Trump, mm-hmm. uh, and and on purpose, Trump delayed his his rally actually mm-hmm. to allow. Well, to get into Trump the Capitol, you have to go through metal detectors. Yeah, they got guards. They got guard places, there, but they didn't do that. They just rushed him. Here's another question too. No, they uh, did not. Uh, well, here's another question though. No, the Congress they... is already below the Congress before anything happened. Before anybody got to the uh, uh, the House of Representatives chamber or the Senate chamber, the Congress is already secured below mm-hmm. the Capitol. So what were they worried about going through a broken door or breaking a door? Breaking okay. a door? Right. What? There was nobody. There was nobody there. They're already gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was I the danger? There's no danger. Ask, uh, What's that? Greg, I thought you were going to ask Nikki. Um, if she knew anything about what was going on underground. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I don't how think you she would know that it. yet. Well, we're still... I, she might. I, hey, listen, I, w- I want to let her talk. And when she has more time and she can come back in six yeah. months or a year from now, that's when we'll ask her those questions. Yeah, and so we'll get her back. All right, now, what were people there complaining about with the procedure? Which procedure? What are we talking about? The electors, what were they complaining about? Well, they're okay, trying so, to make sure. All right. So here's the issue. The issue, and I, I asked Christina about this too. So folks, go back to my show last Thursday. Uh, the issue is mm-hmm. that there are seven battleground states, they're called, 
where the election we believe was 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 really stolen in these seven states, uh, Arizona, New Mexico, Nevada, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia and Pennsylvania. The, the, those mm-hmm. states that had Republican state legislators put forward, you know, even though they were locked out at times, like in Michigan, they put forward electors for Donald Trump. They said Donald Trump won the election, putting forward Trump electors, even though the alleged popular vote had Brandon winning. So the Democrats and the, the Democrat governors or, and the Democrat secretaries of state said, no, Brandon won. So now you've got, you've got seven states with two sets of electors. The first one, alphabetically, is Arizona. So what they wanted to do, the coup, to make sure that the Trump electors were never considered, they had to make sure that that election challenge on January 6th never happened. Because if the Trump electors go to Congress, wait a minute, yeah, go ahead, I'll explain it again. So if the Trump electors were voted by Congress, then then Trump would have been president, which he was, and that would have, the the coup would have been for nothing, the stealing election for nothing. Now it's your question. How many people, Greg, in the United States know that? That's not the picture that the news shows. Oh, I know, but the they can listen to us. Again, the picture. <laughs> well, then who are we talking to, Greg? Well, here's the problem, though. You know, if everybody who listened shared with everybody who listened, who then shared with everybody else and shared with everybody else, we'd be viral. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. I know. The reality that. is this. Mm-hmm. The reality is this, Gregory, is that mm-hmm. the news don't show that. The, the news show people climbing up walls. Your news showed a man with funny buffalo horns on his head sitting at a desk with his seat up on him. That's what they mm-hmm. showed. They showed that these That's people it. was criminal and insurrection. Nobody, yeah. I got if you got 5% of the population know about the electorate and what you just described. They don't know that. No. So it's already fixed in their mind that these are evil people trying to take over the government. Oh, agreed. No, I, everything you're saying is true. Yep. Yeah. It's true. All the media has been paid for to cover up everything. Yeah. And they've been trying to hide all the videos because, you know, uh, around the Capitol, it's top secret. It's, everything is secure since way back 70s when I used to go there. They have cameras everywhere in the Capitol and all the, the federal buildings. There's cameras everywhere everywhere so everything is on film they just don't want to release it but uh, trump has it all don't worry he will this lady this lady lady that was killed this lady white woman that was killed was she beat because there was a case where over in the uh down a ramp that some protesters had got and this black capitalist police officer beat uh he either beat a white man, but I thought it was a white male, a white female, with a two before, and they end up dying. Yeah. The other one was Roseanne Bolin, and I think two other people died that day. But uh, Roseanne Bolin was beaten mm-hmm. to death by the police uh, in a tunnel and tear gas. Yeah. Roseanne, her story you is horrible. she was beat to death by the police? You said yep. she was? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's the one that was beat by the black female capital police. And see, nobody wants to – see, why is it that when – leftists, when I say conservatives try to explain something, they got to be all nice and act like they're talking to a priest in church. No, <laughs> you got to tell us the way that they I, that, that's, I actually it didn't was a know. black I know, female yeah. capitalist police that beat this white woman to death with a two before. No, Roseanne, Roseanne yeah. uh, Boylan's black. 
Um, and I don't, I don't know the race of the officers, but I, you know, like I say, I don't think of it automatically. Uh, so that's why I'm not saying it unless I know, unless it's, you know, I know it's part of the story. Well, I know well, Michael J. Bird is black. You, I know Ashley's white. Let me tell you so that makes a difference. So yeah, you talk ahead. about capitalist police in DC, uh-huh. I can right. guarantee you just about the majority of them are black because of the nepotism. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Well, I DC, I mean, most of the yeah, employees of everything in DC, correct. You know, I've lived in I lived in mm-hmm. in Alexandria, Virginia, when I was interning in D.C. You know, the the folks that work in the metro, the transport, mm-hmm. you know, the, are mostly mm-hmm. black. The most of the police are black. Most of the city employees are black. Yeah. I think most of the city of D.C. is yeah. black. Mm-hmm. But I, I think, yeah. uh, but as for a jury Absolutely. pool, because they're dependent on government, uh, not because they're black, but I don't think the D.C. people should be able to serve on on juries uh, for people that are out of state, because D.C. is a separate entity. It's a district. It's not even a, it's not even state land. And these people, and I was talking. That's what that's the thing I did bring up with with Mickey Woodoff, uh, who's actually bought, uh, Babbitt's mom. If anybody's just joining us, um, is that uh, these people have state citizenship? Where are their states? How come they haven't petitioned the Eldon Supreme? And where the hell's the Congress? Why isn't the Congress out there knocking on that door every day? Why haven't they hauled the warden of the D.C. jail into Congress? I mean, that would the Republican Congress, the, the, the GOP, as we call them, the gelding old party, that would have been the first thing they should have done is hauled that warden in. So what are you holding these people for? What's going on? We hear, yeah, you know, we hear about torture definitely. and all kinds of other horrible atrocities that are going on in this prison right now in America. These people are, are they, yeah. they might as well be in Cuba, Russia, or China, I'm, the way they're being treated. I'm very, you're absolutely correct, Greg. I'm very disappointed with the Republicans. Uh, senators or any leaders, they haven't done nothing, and it's been two years, and that's a long time to be holding innocent people in jail. It's it, it's like if I was there, and look mm-hmm. at Dr. Simone Gold, she wasn't even inside the Capitol at all, at all, mm-hmm. and they arrested her because they wanted to arrest her, and they were going to give her the 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 killer vaccine, and she said, I'd rather die than taking that. Mm-hmm. So they put her uh, for I don't know how many days, six days, I think, or seven days in uh, solitary confinement in the dark. And, and this is a doctor, and she's a doctor lawyer. Why are you doing this to innocent people? She didn't do nothing wrong. It's like you come after me. Them. I didn't do nothing wrong. I was just standing there cheering and, mm-hmm. and loving my president, and that was it. That was it with the group so, of people that we went. Um, a lot of them were Christian people that went together with us. And, and so how come the FBI is knocking your door? <laughs> no offense, but I mean, you and I'm Jonathan waiting both. for I... them. I hope they do. Okay, they're I'm in just for curious. a big surprise because uh, they're the guilty ones. The FBI are the ones behind this Don't say anything that will get you thing. in trouble now. Don't, don't get yourself in trouble now. I don't now. care. Okay. Uh, the, I only fear they're God. Warning. I don't fear men. Okay. No. You know, no, I no, got no, in no. trouble over you, Josie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because you, you know, cannot send stuff on a group. Never. I you got in like trouble that. with you on Facebook. Oh. I you know, know, you posted the picture of your wedding day. And, and I made the comment. I made the comment that I would get in my time machine. And go back to the day before and kidnap you so you wouldn't be there at the wedding. <laughs> You're funny. Facebook considered that as being hateful. Oh, gee. But really? see, in our culture, in, a, in black in and culture, yeah, mm-hmm. they said for me to go back and kidnap you. Well, see, that's in, <laughs> that's in the, that is actually a occurrence in black 
culture in weddings because if mm-hmm. the groom didn't show up at the wedding, people would say, well, he got kidnapped. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, gosh, you're funny. <laughs> no, uh-huh. it's true. So they gave mm-hmm. me 30 days. Really? I thought you were kidding. Yeah, that's why I come out everything I sent to you. I sent to you a message. I can't post it. Uh-huh. Hmm. No, I thought you were talking about the group message you sent because you had a bunch of radical left uh, friends. I said, I don't want to be there because I don't want to get into a fight. I don't have time for this. And, you know, I'm fighting. You know, what, I'm no, what, I, what, they, what they did is when I posted that and made that comment, mm-hmm. they said that uh, me saying that I would kidnap you. And, see, they didn't <laughs> consider that your wedding occurred, what, 40 years ago? They didn't yeah. consider about me having to get into a time machine, which don't exist. And I explicitly <laughs> described it. I said I would have to go back. I would get in my time machine and go back to yeah, the day know. before you got married on that picture and kidnap you, and then you wouldn't have got married. Hey, <laughs> it was I, know, a joke. I know why you got punished, Bianchi. You got punished because we have a bunch of Chinese checks. Uh, what do you call checking all the comments and things, and they don't know anything about stuff like that. <laughs> That's right. Chinese they don't know check- about check- stuff like that. You're absolutely right. No, they don't. No, they don't. There's a bunch of Chinese doing that, checking so, out uh, our comments and, and making decisions uh, that they don't have a clue about any slangs or anything like that the American people do. So. Well, I, sorry, that's, that was my problem with Twitter, so they're all foreign employees. Um, I got Diane Warner on the line right now, and uh, we're waiting for Josh Yoder to call in. She's, right. He's got a very short time with us, uh, so I'm basically just going to let him talk, and then I'll give Diane first crack at the question. And so okay. we'll see what happens God as it goes, see how much time he has. Listening, okay? okay. Well, you, you, hey, you can stick around for now. He's not here yet. Yeah, but I got to go make a, li- a living, so I have to go okay. get ready to open my store at ten. Okay. And, uh, Great report. I'm gonna be working. I'm gonna be working. I think she's listening. Um, I'm gonna mm-hmm. probably get another guest if she's willing. She hasn't uh, given no interviews with no one, and she was in jail for 45 days. Yeah. And that's another friend that we have become part of the group. And uh, hopefully she'll agree to come on the show. Soon. I don't know how soon, but uh, she told me she'd let me know. Well, listen, it was a real thrill to talk to Ashley Babbitt's mom. I mean, you know, all more yes, power to her. That was, that was incredible. And all so right. I'll be forwarding the show along to all kinds of folks. But uh, thank you, Josie, for that. I really do appreciate it. God bless. God bless, bless you, too. Bianchi. Ciao. Sorry you got in trouble. This is a funny story, though. (laughs) Diane Warner, election integrity reporter, medical freedom reporter, and also apparently pilot, you know, crusader against the FAA vaccines and things like that. Hey, good morning, Diane. Good morning. So he had Ashley Babbitt's mom on, huh? We did. Yeah, that was kind of uh, a a last-minute thing. I published it. Well, I I kind of got behind today, so I I put the show out a little bit late. But uh, yeah, oh, it's amazing. And she just, she's just. We just let her go because <laughs> she was incredible. And so uh, that was kind of fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get awesome. a chance to, to podcast that uh, when that comes out. So how, long another... how long is Josh here? How I don't know. How long Josh stay on today? Uh, he just he messaged me earlier that he has, he's busy. So I'm, what I'm going to do is, is just say, hey, you know, however much time you got, you know, go for it. So when he does call in, which could be – 
probably any second now. Uh, we're just going to do some let him go, tell his story. And you get first crack at a question. Pianchi's still here. Josie had to go earn her living. And me, I'm having way too much fun. <laughs> this is a great day. So we had, and we had, uh, <laughs> Dr. Kevin, we had Dr. Kevin Stillwagon yesterday. He was fabulous as well. Same problem, though. Well, here's a question for you today, and then I'll ask Pianchi the same question. Should we ground uh, every uh, airline pilot uh, that's been forced to take uh, a jab? until they can show that they don't have blood clots and don't have uh, a body full of spike proteins. Diane? They need it. They actually need a D-dimer for sure. Uh, a D-dimer okay. is a test that tells if they have blood clots and they, you know, they need an EKG and a full cardiac workup. That's my mm-hmm. opinion. But yeah. and well, he's here right now. they're going to let them fly. Oh, yeah. Deal. Well, let me ask, uh, in fact, uh, Josh Yoder's here right now, and I know you had a short time, so I'm going to let you go. The, the question we were just talking about is a question I was going to ask you anyway. Should the FAA ground airline pilots that have had uh, a jab until they can prove that they don't have myocarditis, uh, spike proteins, blood clots, things like that? Would we be safer? Josh, welcome to the show. Uh, hey, thank you so much for having me on. Yes, uh, we, we don't believe that's realistic. Um, that's not what we're calling for is that we immediately ground everyone. That, that's, not the, that's not what we're trying to do. Okay. Um, all that we're asking is that the FAA is that the FAA start looking into this, right? So as pilots cycle through for their new physicals, so they start including these tests into the, into the testing protocol. That way, we as as we go forward, we can you know we can obviously um, find the find the issues, um, treat them, and make sure that these pilots are back in the flight deck. Okay. Well, why don't you let you tell your story? I don't know how much time you have, but whatever. Let's let's get to everything that you wanted to to you know put on the record here, and then Diane might have a question. I'm sure I'm going to have a couple, and, and we have uh, Pianchi here as well that might ask a question. So first of all, again, welcome to the show, and you're among friends. We know the story. We've been anti uh, you know government a- activists and resistors here for you know since back basically February of 2020 when I first realized that the whole vaccine thing was a government hoax, that the disease was treatable and we didn't need them, you know? So that's, that's where we are just to give you a quick synopsis. So what do you got for us? What happened? What's what you're working on? What we're working on right now is um, actually putting together a lawsuit against the FAA. You know, we, we've tried to have dialogue uh, for, for the listener that, that's not aware of the situation that's ongoing. You know, we, we've had pilots that have been, um, have been dying, unfortunately, at, at unprecedented rates, mm-hmm. and including not just at home, but you know, also in the air, in aircraft, um, you know, such as um, Envoy 3556, which was a flight out of Chicago back in November. Mm-hmm. Within 90 seconds, uh, within 90 seconds of being cleared for takeoff, uh, the, the captain on that flight um, actually became incapacitated. The first, the first distress call was made at 90 seconds, and he was later uh, pronounced dead at the hospital. So these are the types of things that have been occurring, and we're trying to get to the bottom of it. And the FAA, unfortunately, has just turned a blind eye to the entire problem. They are telling us it doesn't exist, and they're not going to do anything about it. They won't even do an investigation. And this is coming from an organization whose charter is to maintain the safest and most efficient aerospace system in the world, according to their own website. Uh, but they refuse to do an investigation. So unfor- unfortunately, the only way forward, we believe, is litigation. Uh, to ensure that we we discover these problems, these things like subclinical myocarditis, and then subsequently, um, you know, treat the pilot and get their health back and get them back in the flight deck. Uh, and much if you have a question or two, go on once, going twice. Unmute yourself. <laughs> no, I don't have any questions. All right, yeah, I'm talking to you, Diane. Yeah, question for oh, Josh because okay. I have a million. Um, hey, Josh, welcome to the to the show. I'm really glad you could be here. Um, do you, you recommend that these? Do you recommend that these pilots carry anything with them, like aspirin, to put underneath their tongue if they if they know they already have chest pain? 
and they're still flying. Uh, carry some nitro with them or something, just to give themselves a little bit of extra time to be able to land the plane or to be able to, you know, make it to help or to get medical help? Well, I'm I'm not a doctor, and I certainly can't give medical advice. Um, there there yeah. are certainly protocols and products out here that are helping these people that I'm aware of, you know, um, many of these pilots are actually currently on. Um, some of those things include um, nutraceuticals like Cardio Miracle is one. Um, CardioMiracle.com. It's an amazing product. Nitric oxide and uh, vitamin D3 uh, doing incredible things for for reducing um, arterial inflammation. Yeah, Judy Mikovits is is highly recommending it. Uh, There's also detox protocols. Um, There's myocarditis protocols that have been put out by um, Dr. Thomas E. Levy, who's a cardiologist, um, as well as Dr. Brian Artis and others. And I have seen those protocols be very effective in some of these pilots who've been diagnosed with myocarditis. Um, high-dose vitamin C um, intravenously is, is something that's also been helping. But, you know, there, there again, there, there are many different protocols out there. But the, the most important thing is the diagnosis, making sure that, that, that the person actually understands that they may have, you know, a, a low-grade, you know, myocarditis that they're not even aware of without testing. In many cases, you have no symptoms. And that's what makes this so dangerous. Often in, in the case of subclinical myocarditis, the first symptom can be sudden death. Yeah, I've heard absolutely. about heart attacks in general. Thought, oh, go ahead, Diane. Then I have a question. There, there's also a, a one out from Infowars. It's called Nitric Boost. Um, I guess that's probably some sort of a nitroglycerin as well, too. But just to give these people a chance to be able to get the medical help. But how many people, um, how many pilots do you have that have been contacting you? I mean, is it like very frequently? Is it daily? Is it monthly? It's usually it's usually almost almost daily. It, it it varies. You know, it's not it's not every day, but it's it's most days. Um, just to give you an idea, in a five day period, um, last week I received eight calls. Two pilots that had been grounded. They had lost their flight physicals um, due to, to vaccine complications, and then uh, the the additional six were still currently, I, I believe, still currently working. Um, but they were they were having symptoms and they were concerned, and, and they called looking for help. Uh, we do have a very large medical network at U.S. Freedom Flyers, and um, and so I, you know, I obviously always put those those pilots in touch with the doctors and um, and hope they receive care. So that's the organization, okay. U.S. Freedom Flyers, uh, and dot uh, com. How do people find it? Uh, U.S. Freedom Flyers dot org. Yeah, and I would ask your listeners okay. to to please go there, um, sign up for our email list, so that we can stay in touch with you. Uh, make you aware as new information comes out. Um, obviously, as we you know pursue litigation against the FAA, um, we're, we're doing this with public support. This is it's not just a, an employee issue, but this is a this is a passenger issue as well. Where's the case? Where's it going? How are you able to sue the FAA? Well, that's what we're putting together now. It has not been filed yet, uh, but okay. we have a team of about five attorneys now working working on that case. Like I said, I mean, the, the, the time for dialogue is over. We've tried that. We've tried to get them to do the right thing. We've tried to get them to provide a support system for these pilots whose lives they've ruined. They haven't done it, and we believe the only path forward is going to, unfortunately, be through litigation. Interesting. Diane? And is, do you have another question? Is Teresa Long helping? Are you dealing with Teresa Long as well? Dr. Yeah, Teresa Long, Long is, a, is a very, very close friend of mine. Yeah, she's She's amazing. And obviously, the, the information that she has provided you know, in regards to DMED data, this has been submitted to the FAA as well. You know, they're, they're aware of what's going on, but they have just they have just chosen to turn a blind eye. So yes, that, that data is is incredibly important for for the lawsuit that we're working on right now. Um, the FAA has said that there's no evidence of of harm 
that has been done to pilots, you know, from these vaccines. Uh, we have we have data that certainly says there has been. Now they're coming out with mad cow disease. That was today on uh, Jeff Childers, uh, the attorney that does copying COVID. So now that people are coming out with co- uh, mad cow disease. Yeah. We learned about that I yesterday. We had uh, Dr. Kevin Stillwagon on, and he was talking about the prions on uh, this new evidence here. Uh, are you familiar with that at all, Josh? I am, yes. Okay, interesting. The FA had, let me just jump in for a second here. The FA had a, uh, they've changed their criteria for heart exams. Uh, it's, a, it's a new cardio test. It's a different qualification. Do you know about that? And, and can you give me the what's and the why's and how that came about? Yeah, I can. So it's actually not a new test. It, it's a... Um, it's a change in the standard of the EKG of what's acceptable for a pass or a pass or a fail. So okay. what we're talking about is the elongation of the PR interval for many years, pretty much as long as the EKG has been around, the acceptable PR interval, which is essentially the time that it takes for an electrical um, electrical charge to, to pass through the heart and, and create a create a cycle, right, like a pump cycle. What they've done is is they've taken the the normal PR interval, which is 1.2 to 0.2. And they've now extended it out to, to 0.3. And, and once again, I'm not a doctor. I'm just I'm explaining this in layman's terms, mm-hmm. meaning that there's been a major increase in what's acceptable without, without further investigation. So last year, if you got a flight physical in 2022 and you had a, and you had a PR interval that was over um, 200 milliseconds, mm-hmm. you then would have to be submitted to additional cardiac testing. Now, that can be normal. But in many people, it's not normal, right? So we're not saying that it's a problem necessarily if you're over 0.2, but what we're saying or what the state used to be is that there was additional cardiac testing required after that point. Well, they've now removed that, saying if it's up to the 300 millisecond mark, you can be fine. You can pass. Your aeromedical examiner can sign you off for a first-class flight physical without any additional investigation. The reason this is concerning is because there's a Harvard study that was done over 30 years that says that even a slight elongation of the PR interval uh, could make you far more susceptible to having things like pacemakers, um, sudden death, as well as other conditions. So it's something that we should be looking into. But the FAA, with no explanation, they said it's based on new science, but they refused to show us the science, which makes us believe it doesn't exist. Well, it's not um, keeping the, pilots in the air. You know, they're just trying to keep pilots in the air and keep the airlines going. And they're risking everybody's, you know, lives by doing it, including the pilots' lives, the passengers, people below the airplanes. I mean, this is, this is a horrible situation. There's no excuse for this. Um, just one more question for you. How did it happen? What, what happened to the FAA? Where, what happened to the FAA doctors, you know, the flight surgeons that know that this is a problem? Are they just silently going? Are they just following orders? What happened? Well, I, I think what's going on here is they, they realize that they've made a huge mistake by even allowing pilots to take these COVID-19 vaccines to begin with. Um, they, they violated their own, their own regulations and guidance when they did so. Uh, they did zero safety studies. This is very unlike anything that the FAA has ever done. Whenever a new medication comes on the market, they typically, they typically spend years actually studying it. Um, they do altitude testing, pressure testing, you know, control groups, that type of thing. And they did none of this. Um, this was back in December 10th, I believe it was, of 2020, when the FDA came out and gave Pfizer EUA approval. And two days later, later on December 12th, without any investigation, the FAA came out and said, we encourage all pilots to take it. And now we're starting to see the fallout. We're seeing pilots lose their flight medicals, have heart attacks, and neurological dysfunction, all, many different things that go along with these side effects. So what you see now is, is, is an organization that is completely paralyzed, they aren't willing to admit that they're wrong. If they do that, they admit civil and criminal liability. And, you know, there's obviously severe repercussions that come with that. 
So rather than do the right thing and actually investigate this, they're doubling down on their original position, and unfortunately, that's not going to end well for them. Wow, that's amazing. They didn't, Diane? They didn't even. Well, they didn't even call Bob Snow. I heard uh, been following Steve Kirsch, and I know that you've been doing a lot of work with Steve. So. Yeah, we've we've had you know hundreds of pilots who are vaccine injured contact the FAA. Um, you know, directly to Susan Northrup, the federal air surgeon. She's the she's the top doctor at the FAA, and there's been zero response. No one has no one has ever heard back from the FAA. None of these vaccine injured pilots. What's what's so frustrating is they they become disabled, and and there's no help for them. You know, the airline doesn't want to hear about it. The unions don't want to hear about it. And the FAA, who's the regulator, who's responsible for this in the first place? They certainly don't want to speak to these pilots. Is this I the class action lawsuit? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Diane. I was just talking about the Steve Kirsch, and he's putting up a million dollars to have everybody prove him wrong. And uh, I think that that's pretty incredible. And he was on the phone with the, the FAA, and they were admitting that they'd never even talked to the Captain Snow. It's pitiful. I can't believe what these people are doing. And it's it's unbelievable that we haven't found a way to be able to stop them. That's that's the part that I'm the most frustrated with. I guess as a registered nurse for 42 years, and we took an oath to do no harm, and we're doing so much harm. Isn't there an airline passenger association that used to do things like smoking regulations and you know late stuff and things like that? Isn't there an organization out there that should be with you on this? How about the pilots union itself? You mentioned there. Yeah, there, there may be. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not familiar with the organization that you're referring to. Uh, the pilots' mm-hmm. unions absolutely should be with us on this. Unfortunately, they're not. And the reason they're not absolutely. is because they took the side of the government and the companies. You know, back in the beginning when these when these vaccine programs first rolled out, they didn't protect us then. And so once again, like I explained, they they everybody has liability in this game. I'm um, including the pilot who who took these shots that had these known side effects. They did no research. So yeah. that's what makes this, this, this situation so complex. What we're pushing for at U.S. Freedom Flyers is that there's absolute and 100% amnesty for the pilot. Mm-hmm. There needs to be support programs. They need to, rather than be placed on long-term disability when they have these issues, the companies need to be paying them at full rate. And we believe the FAA should be covering all the medical, medical costs as well. I mean, this should be a shared cost between the FAA and the airlines. Um, it's 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 complex. It's complex. But like I said, no no one wants to no one wants to admit that they were wrong because there's legal well, ramifications of doing so, especially that people's yeah. lives are, are truly being devastated by this. Um, it, it would it's it's um, a tremendous amount of, of responsibility and liability. Can you tell us your situation as much as possible? Um, are you still flying? Were you, you forced out? What what happened to you? I'm, okay, still, you don't have yeah, to. I'm still employed. Yeah. I'm still a major, a major U.S. airline pilot. Yeah, I'm still still employed. Um, the reason that I'm still employed is because of the work that we did at U.S. Freedom Flyers back in 2021, where we stood up and we said, look, we're, we're not going to take this. There was about about 20% of people across the industry, which is a number that's far too great uh, for the airlines to be able to to lose that number of, of pilots, flight attendants, and other, and other workers and still continue to function. Um, so it was it was the resistance that we put forward that was one of our largest successes actually. And I'm just uh, it's a it's a testament to what can happen when people stand together and they stand on conviction and they refuse to comply. 
Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm still employed. There were a couple of airlines that did fire fire people. Uh, very few, however. Um, most airlines across the industry were then forced uh, to accept religious and medical exemptions when previously they had stated that that there would be no exemption process whatsoever, uh, which once again is against U.S. law. They 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 didn't have the right to do that. Uh, they they violated tw- uh, Title 21 uh, when they when they forced these um, EUA products on people. Uh, so right there, I mean, like I said, everybody has criminal liability in this game. Interesting. Um, Dan, do you have another question? Uh, now, I wanted to clear that. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I wanted to uh, to clear the air with, I know Josh and I have already spoken about this, but there was a, a, a post that had gone out that said that the people from Davos had contacted Freedom Flyers, so that they wanted to vaccinate people. And Josh, you had told me that this was absolutely false. Um, we did find out that the uh, you want to tell him about that, Greg? Yeah, about we had Dr. Kevin uh, Stillwag on the show yesterday who said that he heard uh, that all the pilots were, were staying in the same hotel, uh, the Davos Charter Pilots, and that none of them were vaccinated. So he said that's true. So I didn't, you know, it's, it's interesting either way, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm curious what you, what's, what you heard about that. Yeah, just, just to clear that up. So I've, I've never received any calls from anyone who attended, you know, WEF or, or Davos. Um, I have been reached out to by um, many different charter companies and individual private wealthy owners who have aircraft who were looking for unvaccinated pilots. That part is true. Okay. Um, as, as far as what happened at Davos, I think what uh, Dr. Stillwagon was referring to, there was one particular company. Uh, that we're aware of that does have uh, quite a number of unvaccinated pilots. And I've heard from one of the pilots who was over there um, that that he was at a hotel and came to realize, I, I don't know that all the pilots there were unvaccinated. That That's not a statement that I would ever make. Um, but they noticed that there was quite um, quite a few of them that were actually part of, part of our group that were unvaccinated. They were all staying at the same hotel, and we just found that to be interesting. That is interesting. Let me just, before you, I don't know how much time you have left, but I want to make sure to let you know that, uh, and I've, I've posted these on your uh, uh, pages already, uh, that we are the first radio show that actually writes citizen legislation. And the big ones, the two big ones are, are the same ones that I think would concern you, uh, putting full product liability on the vaccine manufacturers and eliminating uh, censorship from big tech so that you can tell the story and we can all tell our stories. So if you want to take those to your group, U.S. Freedom Flyers, uh, any questions you have on them, maybe not now, but later, uh, I'd love to follow up with you and be able to uh, to help out. And if you guys can, you know, the more you can talk about these bills, the more pressure we can build in media, uh, and the more pressure then will be on Congress to actually pass vaccine product liability legislation and uh, very easily get rid of big tech censorship and about four lines of law change. Yeah, I agree that, that that's very important. There has to be legislative uh, change here. Um, it's not something that, that U.S. Freedom Flyers is, is primarily focused on um, right now. Like I said, like we're, we're really focused on like the litigation side of this, right? Um, and, and also providing providing care, you know, for the people that have been so severely uh, damaged by these side effects. Uh, but I, I agree, it's important. I'm, I'm glad that you're doing that. I think there needs to be a multi-pronged approach. That's the only way that we're ultimately going to get to, you know get to the bottom of this. And, and, and the fact that the vaccine manufacturers have, you know, have no liability, this is just that, – that's, that, that's true, actually, one component, but not entirely. What I think many people aren't realizing is that if there's fraud, if there's fraud involved, those, those protections can be removed. They don't, they don't have them anymore. Negates everything. And, and, yeah, it negates everything. And we know now that there has been so much fraud in the, in the rollout of these vaccines, the manufacturing process, as well as the information that's been given to the American public. Uh, we were all blatantly lied to from day one. 
Yeah, but fraud's harder to prove, and I don't know how much you have to prove intent. It gets it gets messy, and they're going to have all their lawyers, you know, uh, stacked up against us. Like, so it took cigarettes so long to uh, to be judged as as unhealthy. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, Pianki, do you have a question, real quick? And I know Josh probably has to go in a, like a minute or two. Never no, I have no on. questions. Thank you. Okay, Josh. Anything we haven't covered? And I don't know how much time you have, but uh, anything else we should know? Latest information, and then I'll turn back to Diane. Yeah, no, that, that, I think that's about it. No, thank you so much for having me on today. I appreciate it. Um, there will certainly be updates you know, coming out in the future. I'd be happy to talk to you again. Great, Josh. Thank you very much for your time. I do appreciate it. And thanks, Diana, for bringing him thank here. Thank you. All right. You take care. I appreciate it, Josh. Thanks so much. We'll be in touch. Thank, thank you. Have a great day. You too. So usfreedomflyers.org, usfreedomflyers.org. Of course, I have to join. I have to get the the email, the message, the whole bit. It's going to be uh, pretty cool to do that. Um, this is fascinating. And uh, I'll talk yeah, to Josh when he has more I've been time. In touch with, Go ahead. I, I started contacting Josh back in May. So we've uh-huh. been talking for quite a long time. So um, it's, uh, he, he's a great guy. I know they're doing, real, doing really good things there. Oh, absolutely. But what's fascinating, and I'll get a chance to talk to him about this other time, because, you know, being a flight instructor or former instructor, um, in fact, I just renewed my certificate. Uh, when we get more into the airlines and the, and the psychology of this, and, you know, I've had FA doctors and they were great. They're really concerned with safety, you know, and um, so that wasn't an issue. Uh, I know that uh, for, for third class medicals, for the private pilots, they wanted to uh, lessen the standards a bit. People thought they might have been too strict. Uh, because we're living healthier lives now. It, it's ironic that at the time, you know, when we are living healthier, there's a much greater concern for nutrition and exercise and, and weight reduction that this comes along. There's this COVID, this devastating COVID shot. And, you know, pilots are usually pretty smart people. You know, they, they're, they're problem solvers. They look at things. They, they're, they're good at multitasking. So the idea that the pilots of all people, you know, with their health being so critical to their career, would willing to willingly to submit to basically a, a genetic experiment. That doesn't make sense to me. However much you value your job, you know, especially when uh, the charter world. You know, I'm surprised a lot of airline pilots didn't immediately say, "Okay, great, let's go to the let's go to charter companies." Of course, the problem is, is as uh, Dr. Uh, Stillwagon explained, seniority is everything in the airlines. It is basically a blue collar union job. And so seniority, if you give up one airline, you start at the bottom. And if you've got 20-year seniority, you're back at day one. So there's tremendous incentive to not change, to, to do whatever it takes to stay with your airline and keep going. And if your airline is firing people, you know, because you don't have a, an ex, you know, exemption, and of course, the whole purpose of an exemption is that it's an exemption. You can't deny an exemption. Otherwise, it's not an exemption. It doesn't make sense. But I understand why it's going. But I, I'm just surprised that it's only 20% that resisted. I would have thought it would be a lot higher. Diane, what do you think? Yeah. I wonder, I wonder what the percentage is uh, from the military pilot as a comparison. I probably should have asked them that. Mm-hmm. Well, but, we had um, Captain Tom Stewart was on for a long time, and um, I forgot his rank. Uh, is it David Trombley? Um, he's been on with us a bunch of times. So we've had military guys on that have talked about this. Military is different. I think their yeah. their mandates have been waived, uh, and I think they're getting back pay. And I think they're being reinstated. I'm not sure what the exact status of that is. But as, as, as Josh Yoder, just give his full name here, Josh Yoder, uh, who was just on, was talking about uh, full pay now for these disabled pilots, these people that are injured. In fact, this is, when you think about it, and uh, this is more for, maybe from a more legal point of view, but uh, the idea that they did as they were told, they did as it was recommended or they did as it was ordered by their airline, and the price they had to pay for that was, was giving up their career. Their airline actually ordered them to do something that was dangerous. 
And when yeah. they didn't and know they're it, they're not going to take care of you. And they're not going to take care of it. Yeah. So if they did know, then it's intent, you know. But if they didn't know, it's still criminal negligence. I mean, in the medical field, how does that work? How does malpractice work? Uh, or practicing without a license or all the – tell me from the medical perspective what's going on here. Fraud vitiates everything. So I think that's what the statement that, that when you have a corrupted medical community and right. your judicial so fraud, system was corrupted. So fraud in whose part? If you think – The medical personnel, I would guess. See, so uh-huh. let's, let's put our legal hats on. So, so now we're, we want to take this to trial. That's why I asked him where it's going to be tried. You know, is, is it a class action? I imagine it is. You know, all pilots. It's got to be. You know, who yeah. are forced to do this. Okay, so you, you got thousands. We're talking 50, what is it, 50,000 commercial pilots in the country. I've forgotten how many airline pilots. It's not a huge amount, but it's enough. It's enough for a big lawsuit. So where's it going to go? And how do you prove fraud? You know, see, if, if, the, if, the, if it's just liability, all you have to do is connect the injury. You know, say, if I was perfectly healthy before I took the jab and I have myocarditis after the jab. That's pretty direct evidence. You know, unless there's yeah. some other factor people can bring into the. But the one common factor that we know, I mean, this, this is going to be easy to prove, is that those that took the jab uh, are subject to myocarditis, blood clots, strokes, heart attacks. And that's why I mentioned, uh, you missed this earlier with uh, Ashley Babbitt's mom. Mickey Whitoff, I said, what are the chances that uh, Brian Sicknick, who everybody's you know, celebrating as a Trump victim, uh, was one of the first victims of the COVID jab? I said, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> said, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and, and so... Well, I know that Steve Kirsch has 1,500 people drinking on his sub stack that he, mm. he knows when they took the shot, when they died, when... I mean, there's 1,500 of them, and it was like they're... And he's asking for more. So um, it's, I highly recommend following him on his subject. He's, he's got a million dollars that he's betting that he can prove that, that, that COVID is very dangerous. And there's somebody that's taking him up on $500,000 of it, some gambler. So, and he's still wanting another $500,000 bet to complete that million dollar bet because he's like if i win the first one i'm never going to get the second one but he oh yeah he's that's so true. sure of his statistics uh-huh. that and he has 1500 people that have died i guess they have all died 1500 people or have been severely injured and he's got the data the injuries the data the shot the person their birthdays their names their addresses whatever i mean he's got a lot of information on these and he's mm. looking to add more so um yeah, he's, he is an extremely important person in fight. Highly recommend. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I wish I had more time with him. And this, I, like I said, sometimes I feel rushed, and I want to make yeah. sure to get uh, get certain questions in. But um, especially on on you know the FA psychology, how could they do this? You know, we, these are people that have I know, families. You need to get him on the show. What's that? You need to get him on the show. Who? Dave Kirsch. Of course. Well, I'm actually in touch with him, sort of. <laughs> you know, yeah. he, he kind of reached out yeah. to me, and we're, we're still working on it. I'd love to get Steve Kirsch on the show. Yeah. You know, and in fact, uh, I sent him great. my Substack articles on both uh, uh, the, the, both my articles that explain vaccine product liability and explain uh, any big tech censorship. You know, your bill's next. <laughs> you know, so uh, you know, we'll talk about that. You know, Absolutely. so uh, yeah, that's going to be 
uh, and this is the beauty of Substack that I'm just finding out is that I can write every bill. I can write a description of it that's beyond the bill description itself because the bills are actually fairly technical. But I can put it in just regular English in these articles, and then people can read the bill. And of course, a lot of it's from the introduction anyway. Um, and so we can go from there. Going to be interesting. Well, absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what happens when you see somebody that, uh, I mean, are people being screened? If, if you're actually retired from the profession, but our nurse is saying now, because the, they ask you all these health questions when you go, they give you the clipboard. Do you have this, 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 and this? Are they asking, you know, have you had a COVID shot? Is that part of a, a screening process? Why I would not? guess not. I mean, it depends on it depends on whose office you're in. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, if you were in Deb, Deb Diglione's office, you would say yes. Yeah, or Brian Artis. That would be the first question, yeah. Now, it's interesting that Josh exactly. knows uh, Teresa Long, who I don't know. I'd love to get her on the show. But uh, this is photo, I think, on his Facebook page with him and uh, Kevin, uh, Dr. Kevin Stillwagon uh, and some other folks. But he knows Brian Artis, and if Brian knows me, and I met him at the Pensacola Rally, and I think that's where I met you. And We're just one big happy family yeah. of activists. It's really kind of cool. <laughs> well, I started reading Deb Bigley on the book. She actually uh, autographed it for me, and okay. um, it's actually very good. Like, Can you give me a review? I'm, I'm yeah, tell me. Yeah, tell me. Oh, what, I haven't. Re- I'm only barely mm-hmm. into it. I do so much oh. research on on other substacks and everything else that I haven't actually picked up an actual hardback book and read it. Well, this is actually softback, but it's, it's really good. She wrote it with Jim Thorpe and then the attorney, Sally. And but, That's uh, right. i got to get back to it. Uh, now, Dr. Deborah Bigelow has been on the show. She's talked about her book, so we I know about it. Yeah. yeah. I just have a, I have an ADHD yeah, reading problem <laughs> and a time problem. To read an entire book, that'd be you know nice luxury. But my mind wanders so. Well, here's a question for you. I've always had trouble reading. Uh, not that I can't read. I mean, obviously, but uh, that my attention span is so short that within a paragraph or two at the most, my mind has already wandered to 15 other topics, and I I have to get back and start thinking about it. I mean, a lot of times I have to start over. And it's just I've always had this. Made school almost it. impossible. Yeah. What's that? The the best thing to do is to try to read after you've exercised that. And so you get out that energy expenditure. Well, then I really go to sleep. <laughs> no, I do. No, I mean, reading puts me to sleep yeah. anyway. Just because my mind goes away so fast, I'm like staring at words, and they just kind of blur out, and then I blur out. After exercise, I really – so I was talking to, to uh, Dorothy Diner about that Monday. That um, Yesterday, I guess today's Tuesday. Yeah, okay. I'll, the days all run into each other. Yeah, I try meditating. The first thing I do is go to sleep because I'm so relaxed. It's like, I'm out. <laughs> You know, so school, I basically had to BS my way through because, I, I, you know, I mean, I, I had trouble reading all that stuff. I mean, I did read it, sort of. Maybe I should admit that now yeah. with my two degrees. <laughs> Don't ask. <laughs> Sorry, UMass. <laughs> Too late now. Well, you, you gave me the degree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm not so, sure. I'm absolutely not so sure that our higher education is all that anymore anyway. We've all been duped for a long time. So that's well, you know, another interesting. Area that we could go into. Well, and in fact, Piagi and I have talked about this too. That uh, they should immediately defund. They should not be receiving government grants. They should the school, uh, the 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 student loan program should certainly not be with the government. And uh, all the way up through high Don't school. Don't take but, any Chinese but, loans. Don't take any. Well, Chinese that's true loans. too. Well, well, well they I'm put people saying, on the but, board. They put CCP Chinese people on the boards of these universities, and then they. This is the second time China's come up. 
Josie brought up China with yeah. the fact checkers, thinking they're all Chinese. I don't think that's true, but it was kind of funny. Uh, and now you're saying that the, the board, the board of directors of the universities are all Chinese, or where are these? What's they're your... not. They're not all. But you know, universities need money. They they typically go through a phase where they have no money, and so here's the Chinese that'll pop up with some cash for them and go, hey. Yeah, you want to take our millions of dollars, just let us put one little CCP person on your board or two, and then they just weasel their way in. And they're slow. I mean, they do the slow-mo move in and mm-hmm. take over, and they start dumbing us down. And it's it's sad. It's very effective. But they are very, very patient people. <laughs> so, But they have moved in, and they're very intentionally dumbing down our society. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Chinese medicine is so different. And um, when I was in uh, San Francisco, uh, I always say, you know, my tourists are Chinatown. We go to the, the, the fortune cookie factory and some other cool places, but I knew a pharmacy, really interesting guy. His, his English was quite limited. So you know, we, we talked, it was, we talked slowly, but he had drawers full of all these herbs and different things. Just like uh, you go to a pharmacy, they have all these bottles of stuff. So his, his thing was drawers of natural ingredients. And we're talking about the different medicines. And he'd say, yeah, this does what that chemical drug does and this, you know, and the other stuff. But given the, now just the Chinese Communist Party, we're totally off track here. We're just kind of vamping for the, the, the rest of the show. But uh, <laughs> does the Chinese, well, you know me, I've always had some question about something. Does the Chinese Communist Party uh, emphasize Chinese medicine at all in China? I mean, what kind of medicine do they I recommend? No idea. I mean, because Chinese medicine is really good uh, for some things. You know, yeah. Western medicine is pretty good for you know broken bones and and heart surgery. They're good at the plumbing aspects, you know, and the, and the basic stuff like that. But the drug therapy here in this country is horrible because it's all done by big pharma. But the actual surgeons, I think, are really good. And so I don't have a problem with them. I have yeah. a problem with the the drug therapies. So, but did, did, now, were you as a nurse, were you taught anything about Chinese medicine or Asian medicine? Could you practice no, it? Absolutely not. Oh, no, because not. even if it works, Nothing. what if somebody no, needs acupuncture? Teach that because it doesn't it doesn't make them money. <laughs> okay. They go with oh, and, and money. So right. and we're taught so many. I look at this. I, we've been taught so many things. It's all about big pharma, and I don't know. I, I think that society has a, a big waking. It would be a, a giant awakening for us when we realize how many things we've been duped on in that. No, I realize we've been duped on. <laughs> That's been my, my life. Well, maybe so my life is just that, so different. You know, go ahead, Diane. I'm sorry. So many people that haven't. Well, so many people that haven't. And, you know, all these statins, these people that put these. What are statins? statins oh, yeah. High, it's for high cholesterol. And they're probably more, do more damage to people. And they were like, everybody needs to be on statin. And, that was, you know, a few years ago. And then all these people come up with all these other problems. And I, I, can, I can go on for hours on this. Well, that's just not a bad idea. I mean, we, we have your medical freedom report and election integrity. It gives you two vast areas. Plus, I don't care what you talk about. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, if you're on the show, you're on the show. I mean, the topics we cover go all over the place, <laughs> unless we're trying to focus in on something, you know, for, for a particular reason. But as, as far as um, the things that you were taught, uh, well, those are the statins, is that the heart thing, or are you saying cholesterol? Now, cholesterol, as I understand it, we talked about this with uh, Kevin uh, Silwagen yesterday, sterols are fats, and the cholesterol in particular is what makes up the lining of your cells. So without cholesterol, your body would collapse on the ground in a puddle of water, right? Yeah. They, 
they put the parameters on there where, it, well, over this, you're going to have a heart attack. You know, I mean, they scared people. They use scare tactics. And they're like, oh, you okay. have to go get this cholesterol medication. This cholesterol medication caused 900 side effects. <laughs> so you're, you're, <laughs> you know, it's, it's it, they have um, taken so many of those off the market. They said, I, I uh-huh. did, uh, and I can actually show this to you, I just decided to one day pull up how many lawsuits Big Pharma has had. And okay. had, it was over 100, I think, lawsuits of millions of dollars, millions and millions. Well, they paid out like $6 lawsuits. billion. Uh, since the vaccine uh, injury compensation fund, they've had it over six billion. And considering that only that less than one percent of vaccine injuries are actually reported, that should be six hundred billion. They should have paid out. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm talking about not anything that to do with the um, the COVID vaccine. This is about all these. Well, it's all vaccines. Drugs. Yeah. So all no, the other it's, drugs. It's well, they, they drugs. Pay, they it's have, not vaccines. It's just drugs. And it's what, also like baby powder. Johnson yeah. Johnson put in the asbestos in their baby powder for that. Well, they call it talc, right? But talcum powder is asbestos, right? Yeah. Or is it different? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I'm not an expert. Let's but, look it up. Yeah, it's done. Is, hang on. We can research. <laughs> this is fun. I just know just that the, they uh-huh. inten- intentionally put this into their uh, – into the baby powder, they had multiple lawsuits that they lost on it. So, uh, yes, it's a baby <laughs> for babies. Exactly. You know, but yeah. it, oh, how heartless! Oh, here we go. Asbestos.com. Thank you very much, the Internet. Talcum powder and asbestos. While talc and asbestos are naturally occurring minerals, it's interesting. You put some rocks in your baby's butt. This is good. Only asbestos is a known carcinogen. Talc has been used in cosmetics, industrial products, and personal. Hi- this sounds right. It's written by Big Pharma. Hydrogen Johnson's baby powder. Asbestos-contaminated talc can cause mesothelioma cancer, ovarian cancer, and other diseases. So how would so how would asbestos get in talc? That's what I'm wondering. Okay, talcum powder. <laughs> Why would they do that? Why would they put in all these other things since it's a COVID-19 shot? They, that's a really good. Were well, they trying to kill babies? Why are you saying that Johnson Johnson was that? killing babies with baby powder? I I'm not going to say that because I don't want to get sued. <laughs> okay, no, I'm just I'm just asking the question. You know, it's the ultimate free speech zone. Yeah. Okay, just so they're go, both rocks. You know, look at the the lawsuit. The lawsuit. Okay, oh, here we go. I'm looking at my. It, Wait, no, I found a sentence for you. It says, talc dust can irradiate or irritate the respiratory system, causing coughs, chest pain, and shortness of breath. However, asbestos-contaminated talc is much more dangerous. Talc and asbestos can, act, can naturally form so closely together that mining practices cannot keep them separated. Bingo. There's your problem. Problem solved. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they intentionally put asbestos powder in, but they didn't take it out either. And that is what we call criminal negligent work. homicide. Yeah. How am I doing, yeah. Diane? Mm-hmm. Very good. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. I have my moments. Yeah. I've got... <laughs> I should send you this list. I've got... Just on the first page, I have 49 different drugs, and each one of them was like $435 million, $465 million, $515 million. That was what they paid out on the fine. There's... And I, oh. I see so many statins in this, too. What is a statin? Big pharma lawsuit what what, What's a statin? Oh, that's the cholesterol reducer, right? That's what right? they take to take cholesterol, huh? To reduce so, what, what, so 
all right, the assumption is that that uh, if you follow the food pyramid, which is wrong, apparently it's, it's a reverse, uh, that you won't get cholesterol building up in your system and it won't clog your arteries. That's what I understand well, to be. I don't they, believe a word of it. Go ahead, tell me. They try to make you think, this is my belief in my investigations, is they try to make us believe that cholesterol is clogging up your arteries. What, it's not. It's inflammation. And it's all these uh, different things that we have in our food that mm-hmm. uh, inflames the insides of our vessels, our blood vessels. And when so there's nothing inflamed, actually there. There's nothing there to clean out, right? You don't, you don't, no, you don't there urge is. Your, the, the blood there vessel, is. It, the blood vessel inflames, and right. it makes the vessel smaller. So that's oh. how things get clogged up. So, but it's not, it's, but it's, it's, not fat. it's more of an inflammation problem. It's more of okay, an inflammation. So, so how wide is, a, is your aorta, for example? Is it, this, isn't it the main you know, artery to the heart? Okay, vena cava aorta. I'm going to write high school biology here, right? So the aorta, how big is it? Quarter inch wide? Half inch wide? How big is it? I'm just curious. I don't know. I've never cut it open. <laughs> okay, but it, however wide it is and how thick it is, eighth of an inch thick, sixteenth of an inch thick, I'm going to guess eighth of an inch no. wide, quarter inch thick, just just to pull numbers out of nowhere. So we have our aorta, uh, and the assumption is that we've been told that that aorta will fill with 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 fat, with cholesterol, and there'll be a blockage, and they like have to plaque. pull plaque. Okay, so we got to pull the plaque. It's the same plaque as on our teeth, so we got to pull the plaque out of our arteries and, and veins. Arteries go to the heart, right? Veins come from the heart, or is it the other way around? Veins go back up to the heart, they, and then arteries go out. Arteries pump out, and veins flow back in. Okay, so the arteries have to be bigger because they're getting the, the pumping action. So they're, our aorta. I, guess, I don't know that they're ahead. bigger, but they're stronger. They're, they're, their walls are stronger. Okay. They're. All right. So these walls. Because you have they, more pressure. Okay. So, so blood will flow through a wider opening than it will a smaller opening. Makes sense. So if it's not plaque building up, or does plaque build up, or is that a, a separate problem from inflation, inflammation? No, it can. Yeah, but, you know, when your vessels shrink and because mm-hmm. they're, like, they're inflamed, then it's easier to clog. It's like pipe like you're, you're plumbing. Oh. You know, when you get stuff build up on the outside, then you can't get the flow through. But if you're inflaming mm-hmm. your uh, the, the vessels, then... It's interesting because they said my my blood vessel, uh, my arteries and veins are very clear because when they did the heart surgery, he said, "Yeah, your veins look great." I said, "No, no buildup, no plaque, or whatever it was that we're trying." I said, "No, no fat in there." I said, "No, you're fine." I thought it was interesting. So there's a diet of chicken, fish, eggs, you know, fruits, vegetables, non-processed foods, and other good things since I was like 20. So processed foods is the problem. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So you can't do it. You can't have, you know, I'm in my 60s and I've got clear arteries. I know that because they actually looked. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they looked at everything. You, know, you don't go through open heart surgery with Well, a, with a lot a, of the sweeteners, like, uh-huh. the aspartame, um, is so bad for you. I know that there was, um, who was it? And they had gotten it, it, it. They proved that it caused cancer. And then back in 20 years ago, mm-hmm. um, and I'd have to look back on my, on my uh, Facebook, but somebody got a $12 million kickback to bring a Spartan back. And it is cancer-causing. And it is in almost 
every, I mean, it, it was in almost every diet drink, and it's in gum. If you look at your gum, you can't hardly find any gum without a spurt of And um, huh. what I, I was drinking back in, it was probably in the 90s, uh, early 2000s, I was drinking a lot of Diet Mountain Dew. And um, I was like, pretty addicted to Diet Mountain Dew. And I had... Oh. Uh, that's like poison. Uh, five or six tumors. <laughs> I know. I know. It's terrible for your teeth, too. That's but I had five or six tumors of my breast. And really? I got off of it. I mm-hmm. got off of it. And within six months, they were all those tumors were gone. They That's were absolutely wild. gone. So I'm a 100% believer that, that is, this stuff is poison. And now I, I can taste it in anything. And I immediately spit it out if I tasted in something but um, well, that's like aspartame uh, when the, when that first came out they told the pilots don't don't and pilot, and pilots again which have different requirements because of what they do in fact we haven't even talked about the the oxygen depletion you know the average uh, airline cabin is 8,000 feet that's 3,000 feet above Denver <laughs> you know that's thin air they're already oxygen depleted put masks on depletes you further to have the strain of uh, of uh, an adrenaline rush with a mask on with a pilot that's had a COVID jab you know they're, they're having you know that, that that could give you a heart attack. Well, it does. Um, but this is interesting. Okay. So sweeteners. So sweeteners. What do they do? I mean, you just better off. You know. So is it the amount of of sugar that causes the inflammation, or is it the type of sugar, or both? Let's put your nutrition hat on. Yeah, it's the makeup of the aspartame. The cancer. It's. I don't think it has anything. It doesn't have any sugar in it. Why does it taste sweet it's then? Whatever the chemical. It's the chemical that's in it that's the carcinogen. So hmm. I have not looked into it that much, but what I wanted to find, the person that brought it back, he got $12 million. Uh, you're, you're getting a little quiet on me here. <clears throat> he got $12 million to bring Aspartame back and got it brought back in after they had removed it because it caused cancer, and they brought it back. And I'm Who? Like, oh, Who, babe? Big Pharma? So I was trying to know there was one specific person that got a really big kickback for making sure that it was brought back. And um, is it a member of Congress or a lobbyist or, or who, who who did it, the evil deed? It was a member, I believe it was a member of Congress. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I'm trying that makes to find sense. it. I'll well, they're good lobbyists for yeah. Did they get a job with it was uh, way big, back big sweetener? Yeah, <laughs> it, probably the FDA. It was somebody that was very connected to the FDA. Okay. Well, you know what happens to the FDA. Yeah, you know, they get, they get their real job with Pfizer once they they graduate from the FDA. Yeah. That's where the uh, the head went. The the, the last head of uh, the FDA uh, is now work, is on the board of Pfizer. Remember that posting? Did you see the posting not too long ago? Maybe it might have been even from you that they had all the people. There's like four of them. They were all big government health people that went to big pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, and or to big tech. That well, that's a, well no, you know what's going to big tech? And this is a special investigation we have to, we have to all do, not just you but me. Um, how many CIA, NSA, NRO, you know, DIA, and all the other letters, FBI, you know, how many of those folks are now working for Google, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter? <laughs> you know, uh-huh. it's like, you know, there's this article coming out. I've got some at the bottom of my computer screen that there's a massive problem, you know, with all these uh, so-called intelligence people 
that are using uh, their their psychological operations procedures to stifle creativity, free speech, and everything else. I know. I've been, you know, anybody on the show is going to be. Uh, if you haven't been restricted, you probably will be at some point. <laughs> it's just what they do. Um, but uh, with yeah. me, you know, I'm, I'm. They just roll mine over. They don't even bother clearing my account. They just keep it, keep the restriction on. They just find something from six months ago. Yep, there you go. So now we'll give you another 90 day. So they always wait, though. They always wait until the 90 day is almost up. Then they give me another 90 day. So I have like yeah. five days left. So, oh, I'm coming off restriction. No, I'm not. You know, two days later. Oh, found something else. Sorry. Violated standards. This is why our bills are so important. You know, the big tech bill, yeah. the the, uh, the vaccine bill. Well, here's what's interesting, too. The, the um, I'm going to send out a press release here pretty soon. Uh, which doesn't actually go to that many press. It's mostly to all of us that, are, that, that like the show and are involved in the show and members of Congress and things like that. Um, but the um, bills, the, the really big bills, are really federal, state, and local now. So the federal bills would be vaccine liability, um, big tech, and the other two would be the constitutional amendment on taking Congress's power to borrow money and disarming the, bureauc- the bureaucrats. Those are the federal bills. The state bills would be your bill. And that's probably the only one I can really talk about, you know, in terms of the most urgent right now. But uh, our election bill uh, and the local level, the county level would be our our, uh, our bill on um, illegal alien free zones and uh, civil asset forfeiture. So that's how the bill stack. Out. Yeah, we need- so county level, we're going to talk about this tomorrow, too. But I'm just oh, yeah, go ahead. You're going to say something. I'm sorry. Yeah, I sent in a, a request for Redmond, Dr. Redmond, to add into his, he's got a bill, and it's something about the military so that their names are not, it had been a bill like in 2020, and mm-hmm. or a statute in 2020 that was never redone, and I asked him to add onto their Eric, about Eric, about the election, uh, the registration information center, and that's for but I wanted them to be able to, to stop the funding for Eric and because they give away our personal information. And that's basically what his bill with the military was, is to not let them be able to get any of their personal information for our military overseas. So I'm like, what about all of us? To, to that. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I well, don't want it for any of us. I'm trying know, to get fact, rid of Eric. Well, okay, but, but we have to do more than that, though, because Eric. what we really need to do is to change. The, in fact, I had this in a separate bill, my, my bill. The two ideas I have for my bill. So those that know, we're going to go over this more tomorrow. But Dan has an incredible uh, election integrity bill uh, for the state of Florida that basically gets rid of machines, makes paper ballots only, keeps precincts to 1,000, uh, and does and does some other things. But uh, what I added to that uh, was that all registrations expire midnight, December 31st. But the other part of that bill, the one that I wrote, is, is the fact that no personal information um, can be given out online uh, generated from, uh, from voting records. And that would be name, address, phone, birthday, you know, email, uh, party affiliation, all the other stuff they give away. So we need to include that for everybody, not just the, the, the Eric system, which is the election. What's that thing? What's it stand for again? You're going to have to memorize it because I forget. Electronic Registration Information Center. Right. Exactly. Good. So, but we have to get Rubman to make sure that, that no information on any citizen is released by the state of Florida online. Yeah. yeah and if you're a stalker, what, what better way to stalk somebody in Florida? If, uh, you know, if people want to show up uh, outside you know, anybody's doorstep, what better way than just look up their address? What if you want to send them hate mail or yeah. put, you know, nasty packages or things like that? I mean, who knows? There are crazy people out there. Well, we got, 
some other things that are happening too. Um, we had some legislation passed that was supposed to go into effect January 1st. And mm-hmm. what we're realizing is that it has to go into committee first. It has to be passed by a rules committee. And so um, this legislation, uh, it was our voter rules are so bloated that with, when we were with Defense Florida, we proved that, that a lot of this legislation passed. And what they're trying to do now, see, here in our county, they would mail out a little card to each citizen. And if if they didn't get the card back, they did nothing. So um, the only way that they ever changed anything like your address or if you're not a registered voter anymore, if you don't want to be a registered voter anymore, then the only way that they would do anything is if you actually mail the car back. But if you're dead, you don't really mail cars back. <laughs> and people exactly. tend to not mail them back for move, people who have died. If you yeah. move, how so, are registered um, in five different counties in Florida just because they moved? Yeah. Well, um, they've changed this now to where uh, you can – they'll mail it out, and I don't, I, know that, I don't know the exact time constraints, but – They'll mm-hmm. mail out a card, and if they don't hear back from them in, say, like two weeks, a month, I don't remember what it was, but they'll mail out one more card. And if they don't hear anything back from them, then they remove them from the roll. So, yeah, see, that's, um, that's, that's too arbitrary. That's the best Because someone's got to keep track of all the individual people doing all the individual things and all the individual postcards. Yes. It's just so much easier just to scrap them all. December 31st, yes. And midnight. that's what our bill Boom. does. That's what our bill does, but yeah. this is the law but. that we have to work with until then, right? Okay, so, well, that's fine. Um, but it's in this rules. It's in the rules committee, and Mark mm-hmm. Early, who's the top SOE Secretary of Elections, and they are fighting this. They um, they're fighting several things on this bill. Mm-hmm. So uh, they want to eliminate several things that were already put into law. So we are getting together oh. on my Facebook site. Uh, uh, citizens that will actually write in and say, hey, pass this with the rules mm-hmm. committee, you know, get this passed now. We've got to get these voter rules cleaned up because we have three elections next year. I don't know if everybody realizes this, but there's an election in March, there's an election in August, and then there's an election in November. And this is 2024, they, right? They get 2024, 2024, we're talking? Yes. Right. Okay. Yes. And so before you get to those elections, they have to 90 days, they can't change anything on the voter roll, the, any of the addresses or anything. It's that they lock them out 90 days mm-hmm. beforehand. So it, by the time that you mail out these postcards to clean up these voter rolls, then you have to wait for those to come back, and you got to mail them back again. It's, just, it's time-consuming. And so we need to get this done now before we roll into another election. So mm-hmm. our we're working on getting this uh getting like an action alert through Defense Florida and through our REC and through CORE uh, to get people to actually write into this committee to tell them to hurry up. <laughs> we need to get yeah. these voter, those voter voters so which, cleaned up. So is this the bill that you wrote uh, and I wrote a bit of? <laughs> and, and is that the one that Joel Rudman, this is representative, state representative, uh, Dr. Joel Rudman, who is here in I forgot which district of uh, the Florida Panhandle, but we're in the Santa Rosa County. Uh, area and is that the bill? Is that the same bill? That's for, okay, so is that the bill? He hasn't submitted it. This is not the same bill because no. the session doesn't start till March. This is already passed. This was passed. Oh, this so is this is a bill, but they can't. But the rules committee can't do anything. Yet. A, They're not even meeting yet. They don't meet till March. So what is the? I'm confused about what the rules committee is doing. 
no, this is this is not this is the rules committee regarding this bill and it's basically I'd have to look at it. I don't have that big worker with me. But yeah, um, okay. they can meet any time. It's not oh. it's Congress. It's a so it's, it's basically the what it is, it's basically the SOEs get together, they decide how they're going to make this legislation happen because you have to have like a little plan. How do you actually physically make it work? Is that a question? <laughs> and then they have oh, okay. they have no, that's how they have to do it. Right. And then they I I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but it's gotta be passed through this rules committee. And until it is, they're not gonna be claiming our voter our voter voter rolls at all. We have yeah. twelve thousand people on our mm-hmm. voter rolls that haven't voted in Santa Rosa County in forty two years. But that was Say that a little louder. I want to make sure people understand how bad this is just in our <clears throat> county alone. 12,000 people that just in Florida found uh, for Santa Rosa County that have not voted uh, in 10 to 42 years. That was last January, and I don't think they have been cleaned up at all. Okay. Not many. So we know so, they don't clean up the rolls. Do you think that there's a vested interest on both parties' parts not to clean up the rolls because that could be potential voters or ballot harvesting, yeah. or, certainly for the Democrats. Okay, so tell me about that. What do you think? Well, I think that there's some nefarious reasons for it, Matt, and then I think that there's some reasons for it that uh, you you get a bigger staff if you have more people on your voter roll. Voter roll. Mm-hmm. Um, it's worrisome that we have this many people on ours, and I have shown Cappy that we went through there was a we took the oldest people. I think I've gone through this before. I don't know if y'all remember this or not, but we took mm-hmm. the, the voter rolls in and we organized them from oldest to youngest. And we only looked up 18 of the oldest, and out of 18, there was 11 of them that were dead. We stopped <laughs> at 18. We were so disgusting. So, but oh, yeah, they've the... been dead for 15 years. Mm. So, um, how timely. Yeah, and I handed all those. I, I know, I handed all those to Kathy. So they didn't return uh, their, first post, so, their, their first postcard. That was the problem. That's why they never got sent the second one. Yeah, That's exactly. A, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. they they have a lot of excuses that, well, if they die out of state, I'm like, well, I doubt all 15 of these people died out of state. Yeah. But, um, you know what, though? They don't, you know, they don't look for reasons to clean the voter rolls. It's like hmm. that. that is one thing that our county does poorly. I have to say, though, that they do a lot of stuff really well, though. I, I love Cappy and our staff up there, and I think that So Cappy's our election supervisor. That would be uh, supervisor yeah. of elections, SOE, just so people get our get our, our lingo yeah. here because people have different terminology other places. Yeah. Okay. But she, they do. I love our staff up there. And, mm-hmm. I mean, we've really watched them like a hawk, and they've done, they have done nothing nefarious that I can – I don't – yeah. I mean, we watched them very closely through both two different elections that I've worked as a poll worker. Mm-hmm. They've done an I don't have a problem with, with our local folks here. My problem, yeah, yeah. My problem is with the state. The idea that uh, they pass a sunshine law that says that communications with uh, you know public officials are open and people can read it. I like that. That's good. But they also pass this provision that people that are registered to vote. All their personal information gets put online, and that I don't like. The, you know, if a company did well, that, it would be called a it would be called a breach. 
an information breach and they'd be well, arrested Eric for it. That. Eric, give the way our personal information and we're paying Well, we got to stop that too. But if you make it illegal for everything, every source, I don't care what the source is, no source can put your information online. That's what you need. So yeah. I, I, sometimes I think, you know, we have a one problem with Eric, so, or which is the, the uh, election, you know, records and whatever that thing. I keep forgetting what it's called. But the problem is focusing on one thing when there's still other problems. You want to make the laws as general as possible so they can apply to the most things as possible. So when we say, you know, rather than say, you know, this information system shall not release personal information, we say no information. Of, you know, no personal information can be released, you know, to the public. Yeah. Um, only duly constituted search warranted law enforcement, you know, uh, establishing due process, you know, shall have access to personal information. That's it. No. Uh, nobody gets it. That's how you do it. So they would just let us write the laws. <laughs> well, well, well I'm not asking them to. I'm not asking us, them to let us write the laws. I'm already doing it. That's not the issue for me. Well, the issue you know for me I is pass the laws. Yeah. Well, yeah, but the, so the issue is is to get enough people. You know, well, here's a perfect example. You know, when Josh said uh, um, a little bit ago that 20% of the pilots rejected getting a, a, a COVID, in, you know, genetic infusion, and that was enough to make the airlines go, well, we can't lose 20% of our pilots. We won't be flying. We'll be, you know, the schedules will be hell. We'll all lose money, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it would have been nice if it was 50%, but 20% is all it takes. It doesn't take a huge resistance you know, to change things. So if, if we're going to be successful here at uh, being the source of legislation for local, city, state, county, you know, and federal legislation, it's going to require some people. <clears throat> but we need people. It's, it's like people don't have enough faith to do it because they've never seen it work, but it's not going to work until they have enough faith to do it. <laughs> you know, we're kind of the rock in the hard place situation right now. So legis- citizen yeah. legislation works. I know it works. I know it works because I've seen things already that I know it works. But it won't work. It'll work a lot better when more and more people realize that it's going to work and just start sending in the bills. That's what we need. So we're going to do it again tomorrow. Oh, boy. What are we going to talk about tomorrow? Can you give yes. us a preview? Or should we save it? Uh, Keep everybody in suspense. <laughs> yep. I'm teasing. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. We'll save it for tomorrow. All right. Okay. So Great. Diane Warner with the Election Integrity and Medical Freedom Report reporting a day early because she was nice enough to help get Josh Yoda here on the show. Thank you very much. Talk to you tomorrow. Okay, great. Thanks. All right, take care. For everybody else, you're listening to Action Radio at blogstockradio.com slash citizenaction. Our legislative website is writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. You can help us here at givesendgo.com slash actionradio. That's givesendgo.com slash actionradio. My new Substack which is catching on, uh, I just checked my email a little bit ago, a whole bunch of new accounts. Thank you. Appreciate it. So Substack is gregpenglis.substack.com. And for everything else, got a couple of messages for you here, and I will have a musical selection to, uh, as I always do now, I play a musical selection to end our, our broadcast. Back tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock. We've got uh, uh, Bill Fecky's not here. We've got Wendy Arthur with the Oh My God Report. And after that, I have no idea. <laughs> I think we've got a guest. What do I got tomorrow? I know I've got a guest sometime tomorrow. Uh, Priscilla Romans is going to join us from Great Care. So I'm going to play her, her uh, commercial first. So Priscilla Romans will be at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, Diana's back. Diana's back with the Election Integrity Report. First hour, half hour is mine. And other than that, we'll just figure it out from there. So got some announcements, got some uh, commercials for you. And tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Central Time. 
And so Priscilla Romans, this is her commercial for Great Care. And back uh, later. See you then. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws. My pillow pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio Live. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand your ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system.
You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.